January 22nd, 2018. A lot of news to get into, a lot of information. Got a great show lined up for you today. Uh, as scheduled, Steve Quayle is going to be on today. He's not going to be on. Um, he's not, uh, he's, he's ill today. So say a prayer for Steve as well as Greg Evenson, who's, uh, seriously ill. Uh, if you check the, uh, Q alerts, you'll, you'll see, uh, Greg Evenson's status there. Make sure everyone uh, says a prayer for, uh, for, uh, Greg Evenson. The 50,000 email FBI texts. We can start there. We can start about the government shutdown, which is really a kind of a non-starter. The government reopen. Government uh, revolving door. Yeah. Yeah. Where do you want to start? Well, let's, let's start with the government shutdown and reopen as today. The Senate voted 81 to 18 to reopen the government. Many on the left are very upset, including Nancy Pelosi. This from Yahoo News. Let me pull this up here. Nancy Pelosi says she's leaving the Democratic Party today. I'm leaving the Democratic Party today. Democrats are infuriated by their own party's deal with the GOP to reopen the government. Many Democrats are furious with members of their party for agreeing to a deal with Republican senators to reopen the government. These Democrats don't think Republicans will fulfill their promise to vote on replacement legislation for the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals uh, Immigration Program, or known as DACA. Democrats are still not willing to go to the mat to allow people in my community to live in our country legally. That from uh, Representative Luis Gutierrez on Monday. Many Democrats are incensed about the deal Senate Democrats reach with Republicans on the third day of the shutdown to reopen the government. Now, what they had done in an 81 to 18 vote in the Senate was vote to reopen the government only until the 8th of February with another resolution, and we have not seen a budget in a long time, in over a year. So will this February 8th deadline, will they pass another resolution, or will they pass a budget, and will we see this immigration fight come back again as part of another government shutdown on February 8th? See, who, who all started this? I mean, how long has this been going on? Well, you have to remember that the, the uh, DACA bill is not a bill. This was never passed by the Congress. This was never okayed by no, the Senate and signed no, into law. No. This was done through a fiat executive order, and rightfully so, it's going to end in March. Trump tried to end it, which somehow was overruled by a judge. Stephen Miller has some good commentary on that. If you go to the article on the Dredge about Stephen Miller, he talks about how it's incredible that judges are overruling presidential um, executive orders. But Obama didn't do this right in the first place. And this has been something that was not done under uh, any previous administration. And we talked about this on Friday. How do they expect, uh, why do they expect Trump when this was not done under Clinton, when this was not done under Bush, when this was not done properly under Obama? Why do they expect Trump, who ran on a platform of anti-immigration, illegal immigration, to push through an immigration bill? It there doesn't make much sense. No, it doesn't. And that's, you're exactly right on that. And, and, and nor should it. Uh, so, so this, after all, was a Schumer shutdown. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And he was uh, taken to the coals, raked over the coals in the media because uh, there was clips of him talking about how holding the government hostage over immigration was chaos and how it was terrible. Well, And those clips of him there it is. were played over and over this weekend, and uh, it appears that they gave in. So where yeah. do we go from here? <laughs> well, look, it's to me, okay, non-essential personnel are not affected. Yeah, I, look, I understand the, the about the military. We understand all this, but but really, in, in reality, what has what has been affected in really seventy-two hours, uh, nothing, uh, nothing of real consequence. And the eighth will come and will go, I suspect. But that's more on that later. But what really is some some items that you may you might have missed. <clears throat> you know, people have said, well, Hillary Clinton's emails. Oh, yawn and and you know, moan and groan. You could I could hear the eyes in the back of your head just going uh, going backwards. But it was last week where Judicial Watch received. Uh, uh, 78 pages of new documents uh, from the State Department containing emails from Clinton and uh, emails that she either sent or received over her unsecure non-government not state, non-state.gov uh, server, email system now these email exchanges include classified information so at least the three of them include classified information at, at the highest of levels I'll give you a couple of examples here. Uh, March 8th, 2011, Clinton sent classified information regarding Bahrain to, of all people, Justin Cooper. Now, who is Justin Cooper? Justin Cooper is her IT guy, all right, um, who reportedly had no security clearance with instructions to show Bill Clinton the email and to print it out and such. Um, well, actually, to show... Uh, to Bill Clinton. Now, Cooper was the Bill Clinton aide who asked State Department IT Specialist Brian Pagliano, Mr. Fifth Mayor, Mr. I'll take the fifth, to build a server for Hillary back in early 2009. So there's a connection between Cooper and Pagliano. And she was just starting her job as Secretary of State. Now, you've got to kind of put that in perspective and you can see the uh, lawlessness there. And then on August 24, 2010, these are the three emails that are selected by Judicial Watch as classified. Clinton emailed Cooper additional classified information to, uh, to point uh, or to print. I'm sorry, including the secretary's call sheet for Indian Finance Minister uh, for the Indian Finance Minister. So, okay. That's pretty significant. And then the third one was February 13th, 2010. These are the three classified emails. And um, there was an email exchange that Clinton passed along classified information to Cooper. It originally was sent to Cheryl Mills. Now, Cheryl Mills, you might recall, received immunity. <laughs> blank. I mean, there were so many people who received blanket immunity, Mills being one of them. And by the way, Mills was the chief of staff of, of Hillary Clinton, as well as playing a part, a role as her attorney. And, uh, but, but this was sent to Cheryl Mills by the U.S. ambassador to Mexico, Carlos Pascual. Now, this classified information included a note from Mexican Foreign Secretary, uh, Espinoza to Clinton in the email to Cooper. Clinton asked him to look for Espinoza's note and respond. This is an IT guy. 
It's an IT guy, and, and he has no security clearance. And so people are telling you, people are telling us, that there was no intent that Peter struck Batman struck and uh Page the uh between the sheets uh spy or the between the sheets supporter of Hillary Clinton was struck uh come on uh, it, this is ridiculous now it, it's interesting too and I, I want to just spend a little bit of time on this show because it's this is where the real news is at I believe because judicial watch has come out on fitness has come out and said well, you know what we're still getting like the the, uh, the Sessions Justice Department, the Tillerson Secretary of State. They're still putting the brakes on the people within these departments are deep state people that are putting the brakes on against um, uh, against the uh, release of this information. However, the court did say that okay, we're going to put the release of the information on an accelerated schedule. Initially, the the emails were not to be received until 2020. All of them. But now the uh, production was ordered by U.S. District Court Judge James Bosberg, which requires the State Department to complete processing by September 28th of 2018. So it's nine months instead of two years. And uh, now this is important. The remaining documents of 72,000 pages recovered by the FBI in its investigation into the email server. And, of course, who was heading, who was the head of that email investigation? Batman himself, Peter Strzok. So... Uh, and by the way, these are these emails are among the ones who uh, who Clinton had attempted to delete and or otherwise failed to disclose. Uh, and and this is this is not because of a Freedom of Information Act request. It didn't happen because of that. They they they, they had to sue. Judicial Watch had to sue the uh, Department of Justice, the FBI, and the Department of State to get this information. So all of the emails sent or received by former Secretary Secretary of State Hillary Clinton in her official capacity as Secretary of State as well as the emails by other employees to Secretary uh, Clinton regarding non-state.gov address uh, was part of this lawsuit. And it's amazing because some, uh, as we know, 33,000-plus have been uh, acid-washed. And just to continue on with this, the newly released documents also show that Hillary had knowledge of the system vulnerabilities. This is so important. And, and um, this, uh, this is so critical. She was warned about overseas and other security issues concerning emails and her personal blackberries. The fact that an email from Cooper to Clinton on June 6, 2011 stated the following. And let me just, uh, let me just write there. Let me just read this. All of your older older emails will remain, will remain on the server. Uh, there is a way for me to move everything onto the new device, which meaning uh, a new uh, handheld device. But the security uh, wizards have convinced me that this is a horrible thing to do because you also transfer any viruses, spyware, and junk overseas and junk overseas providers hide on there. So spam stuff and, and phishing emails and such and viruses. Now, <clears throat> the whole thing is this. Clinton circumvented, and, and I can't drive this home enough, Clinton circumvented all of the security procedures, every single one of them, by having the personal server. And people don't understand this, or they don't, they don't give a damn about this, and somebody better, you know, just... Instead of Peter Strzok, I, I give me a shot. 
at talking to her. Give me a shot. I'd like to sit her down in, in, in one of the small, you know, interrogation rooms or inter- inter- interview rooms. Um, I don't know if I said this Friday or the other day. Uh, there's a, a, I don't know how many people remember that show Monk. Okay. Where I, I think it was, I think this is on Monk where, uh, and I, I think you and I might have been talking about this off air where, um, a suspect or something was in the, uh, interrogation room and the guy looked at I think it was a captain who said looked at the captain and said what are you going to do hit me with a phone book and make me talk they use uh, you know uh, everyone uses uh, computers now so the the captain kind of looked at the guy and said uh, okay you know so the next thing you see you see him is walking out with a laptop that's all busted up um, anyway it would just, I guess you had to watch it uh, really for it to translate well. But <clears throat> the emails, look, Clinton was the subject of a grand jury investigation into her BlackBerry email accounts. In June of 2017, we sub- or Judicial Watch submitted evidence to the court that Clinton knowingly used an unsecure BlackBerry. And she was warned about the security risk. She used them despite that warning. The emails also reveal that despite Clinton's claims that she really didn't stop to think about what kind of email system there would be, she was absolutely deeply involved in a number of issues involving her server and use of an unsecure system. Discussions that prove all of this, that prove her criminality, in my view, are March 8th, 2012, an exchange among, an email exchange among Cooper, Pagliano, and Clinton herself about the server and email. So the IT people had to tell her that's, that this system was not secure. September 29, 2009, an email exchange between Cooper Clinton and Clinton discussed the backup of emails. So she had to know there was a backup or declined to preserve one. And then August 31st, 2011, between Cooper and Hillary Clinton discussing the setting up of, of her iPad. Yes, she knew, she knew, she knew. <clears throat> and by the way, there was intent. And, and of course, the, the Peter Struck Batman comes in by changing the word uh, grossly negligent to extremely reckless or careless. And uh, the memo, by the way, the four-page memo that resides at the uh, U.S. House Intelligence Committee will name, I'm sure, Struck and other people the, the depth of the, the the role that they played into creating this Russian narrative and then turning the spying operation onto Donald Trump. This is how all the dots connect. And by the way, my final point on this is that last year the FBI uncovered 72,000 pages of documents that uh, Clinton attempted to delete. 72,000. Yeah, I'm going to delete these. De- 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 delete the button or did not offer in any other manner to disclose. Uh, that is until the court intervened and established a new deadline for which to, uh, that these, these emails had to be overturned or turned over. And, uh, that's how they came up with the 2020 deadline. The court came back and said, no, you're going to, you're going to do this a little faster. And that remember that the prior to the FBI investigation, Clinton repeatedly stated that 55,000 pages of documents turned over to the State Department in December 2014. That was, that was, that was it. 55,000. That was it. All done. All done. You know, all done. 
you know, Vegas. Hold on. Yeah. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands more. And she knew this, so she lied. Well, of course she lied. <coughs> James Comey lied when he was testifying in front of the House Intelligence Committee and asked if he made his decision about exonerating Clinton after he interviewed her. And he said yes, when it has come out that he committed perjury, because we know that determination was not even made by him, but was made well before he interviewed her. We know uh, her, Hillary Clinton, and the Hillary Clinton associates all uh, basically got off scot-free because of collusion between the FBI and the Department of Justice. And you mentioned the text messages, the five months of text messages that have, you know, gone quote-unquote missing between Peter Strauch and Lisa Page from one device, and we know they used a separate device to have well, even more communications. There, yeah. But what's really crazy is the fact that, uh, you know, they can just say this. Well, it was a glitch, and, uh, you know, we had these messages and the five months' worth of messages which were from, what, December 2016 through May 2017? The very date, Joe, the very date the special counsel was Exactly. Appointed. And all those are, are, are uh, conveniently missing. And it's definitely no coincidence. And, you know, serious questions need to be asked. And before, I want to go back a, a few uh, steps first. The release the memo, the, the release the memo movement that we saw on Friday, I want to make sure we document this. This is from a Business Insider article on January 19th. Russia-linked Twitter accounts are working overtime to help Devin Nunez in WikiLeaks. Twitter accounts linked to Russian influence operations have begun to promote the hashtag Release the Memo. Again, this was from Friday, uh, Thursday or Friday, a Business Insider article, which points to what... Uh, Peter, or Adam Schiff said on CNN yesterday morning, we played this clip on The Daily Show, he said that the uh, push to get the memo released was from thousands of Russian bot accounts on Twitter. And not only that, he went on to say that the American people should not see the contents of the memo because they won't be able to understand or comprehend what is really going on in the memo without seeing the underlying classified materials that they originated I from. That. I and that. I mean, it, it's just crazy. But I wanted to, to bring your attention to this, because we got an email from Twitter last week. Dear Hagman Report, part of our recent work to understand Russia-linked activities on Twitter during the 2016 presidential election, we identified and suspended a number of accounts that were potentially connected to a propaganda effort by a Russian government-linked organization known as the Internet Research Agency. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, they go on to inform us that we had... Uh, we're, we're linked we're to Russians, retweeted basically. or liked accounts that were deemed to be Russian propaganda accounts. That's right. Now, now uh, fast forward again to till Friday when this release the memo hashtag was front and center on Instagram and on Twitter. You see that For a the while. narrative that Twitter has crafted along with the left is that these you know the silent majority that are, that are pushing for the Trump agenda. These are the Russian bots. WikiLeaks are the Russian bots that they're talking about. And this author, uh, Natasha Bertrand, I wrote her a, a, an email earlier, um, at least letting her know my thoughts on this, but this is all a disinformation campaign to try to take attention away from what is actually in the memo. Notice that the Democrats are looking for all the spin, all the lies on how to frame what is in this memo as, uh, you know, you can't understand it. The American people are too stupid to see it. Well, it's just twisted talking points by Devin Nunez never actually addressing the 
uh, real claims that are in the memo that we haven't seen yet. But this article says the frequency with which the accounts have been promoting the hashtag has spiked over 233,000% over the past 48 hours. That's organic interest into the hashtag release the memo. Has absolutely nothing to do with any Russian bots. And the only proof that they have is to say that it originated, the tweet that was getting retweeted so much originated from WikiLeaks, which WikiLeaks isn't even Russian, but they're trying to promote it as Russian in coordination with their 2016 presidential election narrative. Can you, can, now, can, can you imagine, by the way, I just want to throw this in there and just say, can you imagine if Hillary Clinton got in office now? No. Uh, this would be, we, we would be, uh, by orders of magnitude, so much, uh, it would be horrible, but go on. It, it it would be horrible. It would be uh, something we couldn't even imagine. But anyway, so you have these uh, missing text messages between Strauch and Lisa Page. You have all this activity from the Comey firing, and, and that's when the the uh, between the Comey firing, the the Mueller special counsel appointment. That's when the emails or the text messages uh, fall back in. Uh, so you have this whole long period of text messaging. That text message is missing five months where some really important stuff happened. And you also have, um, you know, the text messages that we do have. And we, we have, there are more, there's more information on those as well. I don't know if you went through them all. But Sean Haney today did a great yeah. job of tying together uh, text messages on certain dates with other events, like the Loretta Lynch tarmac oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. like the, uh, you know, James what James Comey went through, some of what he went through, and Andrew McCabe and the insurance policy and all that. But Strauch is still working at the FBI. But my question is, why have where where has the release the memo movement went? Why are we not seeing this push about this today when the government is back reopened? All the House has to do is vote on it to be released. Why has this not been released yet? The memo, the four-page memo detailing okay. the FISA surveillance abuses. Okay, and, and I put this on my Gab and Twitter accounts. Uh, okay, here's what has to happen. It's and. I have every reason to believe this is going to take place. The House has to secure a vote, all right? And they will vote, and they will vote to release a memo. That's simple as that, all right? Because the rules governing classified information, and this memo is a classified, considered classified. So the rules governing classified information is subjected to the U.S. House of Representatives, the current iteration of the rules. And you can look at, uh, uh, I think, house.gov uh, to find the rule uh, the rule book. And it's Rule 10. It's on page 15 of the rules. So the vote, the House is going to go for a vote. The House votes. And then the if it's yay, uh, the classified document is released to, into the hands of the President of the United States, who has up to five days to either deny it, or to release it. So, uh, I, I had heard that, uh, the way things were going, that this, this memo could be released as early as, like, you know, right away. And we're talking over the weekend, perhaps, or during, you know, the first part of this week. And at the very least, at the end of the week. Very latest. Or it could be, depending on the house, it could be, uh, maybe toward, uh, the end of the month. But it's going to be released. And, it's now. There's a question about will it be redacted? I just I think I think they're they, but they need to release the entire memo unredacted and also the underlying right. documents because right. if they where they originated from, they right. won't be able. To, they don't. They're not going to. Like, the Democrats are going to say, well, yep, this, this is, is a, a biased memo, personal opinion right. added on to you know some statements of fact. They should 
release everything absolutely and but, but people are going to jail over this i i i guarantee you now it, you might not you know or you go, oh clinton's gonna go to jail no i didn't say that i said people will go to jail over this they're gonna lose their jobs and go to jail over this if they're convicted in the court of law and i think they could be and also uh back what i was saying when handy laid out today's on the daily caller about the timing of these strauk page text messages and the comey Lynch tarmac meeting. This article says Strauk and Page also suggested in a text exchange on the 1st of July 2016 that Lynch, the Obama-appointed attorney general, knew she recused herself from the Clinton investigation that charges would not be brought against the former Secretary of State. Lynch removed herself from the Clinton matter after it was revealed in late 2016 of June that she met secretly on an airplane at the Phoenix airport with Bill Clinton. The DOJ then leaked the story to a New York Times that Lynch would remove herself from the investigation and accept Comey's recommendation on whether or not to prosecute the case. Comey announced a few days later, on the 5th of July, while Clinton's use of the private email server to house classified government documents was extremely careless, it did not warrant prosecution. He also suggested that the DOJ was in the dark about his decision, but the Strzok page text messages suggest otherwise. And you can read those, and the, the one that they're referring to, um, they say that it's awful timing, there's nothing we can do about it, did the DOJ tell us they were going to have this meeting? And finally, Mrs. Page says, and yeah, it's a real profile in courage, since she knows no charges will be brought, leading to the fact that she had foreknowledge that no charges would be brought before Comey made his announcement, even though they said she was in the dark. And there's much more that these text messages that we do have available reveal, even though we know the matter of Hillary Clinton's emails was basically protected from the top of the FBI and the DOJ from the beginning. And not only that, but the insurance policy was put on Donald Trump and his campaign in the far-off chance that he did get in. They, the DOJ, the FBI, the Clinton campaign, never expected Hillary Clinton to lose, so they never really worried about this stuff coming out. Because if Hillary Clinton won, they'd all get promotions, this would go under the rug, never to be seen again. But that's not what happened. And now we see all the information uh, coming out in drips and drips and drips that's coming. And soon we should have the memo. And hopefully we have a much clearer understanding of who, what, why, when, where. And we will see criminal charges brought at the very least. People should lose their jobs and criminal charges should we be We know who and what. I'll, I'll, I'll hit that on the other side. We'll be right back after this break. we got more news coming up after this network break. Don't go anywhere. This is the Hagman Report, talking about the memo, the four-page memo, the product of the House Intelligence Committee, Devin Nunes, the constant, uh, the year-long-plus investigation into uh, into the um, the surveillance program, the anti-American Fourth Amendment violating surveillance program. This is absolutely incredible, the, the fact that the Democrats, the regressives who 
who claim to be for civil liberties are fighting this tooth and nail. And, and, and if you look at Devin Nunes, don't forget he was brought up on ethics charges because why? By, by his counterpart Schiff for a number of reasons, but uh, there is no foundation for this. They don't want this information to get out. This memo is a game changer. I just want to mention this. I know that, that you were talking about the text before the the break. We're gonna, we can get back to that, but um, the no, I'd like to talk about the memo. Okay, let's continue because the, people don't people are not understanding how critically important this is, and this will show. This will absolutely positively show that this country we we came this close, this close. Um, miss, missed it by that much, you know, uh, get smart, but, uh, we came this close to a, a losing our country via Hillary Clinton. And think, yeah. think of John Podesta would have been in positions oh of God. power. Think of, think of all the people that Hillary Clinton would have brought with her. But the fact of the matter is, and, and I'll turn it over to you after this, is the FBI and the Department of Justice, you want names? Okay. Uh, John Carlin, he would be the signatory off of the, uh, actual FISA warrants. If you do some investigation, you'll find that John Carlin is the guy that signs the FISA warrants. The FISA warrants with respect to Donald Trump were based on lies. And this is what the uh, Gateway Pundit is reporting that from this interview that Adam shifted that the left is in full-blown panic mode as the release of the memo loons. Democratic lawmaker is seriously working to block Intelligence Chairman Nunez from exposing shocking FISA abuses that took place during the 2016 election. Adam Schiff was on CNN Saturday to discuss the FISA memo, and when he was asked why ha- will it be made public so the public can read it, Schiff said the following... It is essentially a set of talking points that the Republican Intel staff drafted, drafted, made up of highly classified materials, which most of the Republican members were forced to acknowledge. They've not even read, so they don't know how distorted oh, these talking a points are. Is. That's this a bunch of beginning. crap. He almost said it. But as part of the narrative they want to push out, Interestingly enough, they've made common cause once again with Russian bots because Russian bots are pushing their narrative out there. It's a redux of the campaign. We have Assange and WikiLeaks and Russia trolls and the bots saying with the hashtag, release the memo. That's what the narrative is. Then Alison Cabrera pushed back. Why not allow Peel to look at it and let the Americans make the decisions for themselves about whether it's useful information or not? Schiff responded, well, because the American people, unfortunately, don't have the underlining materials, and therefore they can't see how distorted the misleading and misleading this document is. Okay, it's it. Okay. In other words, you're too <laughs> stupid yeah, to find yeah, the truth out yeah, for yourself. Exactly. But we can't release the exactly. memo because of the potential spin that's on it and how bad it makes us look. And, and, and this is a typical tactic of the of the progressive left of the, the Russian bots. Yeah. Uh, and of course, this is the shot across our, our bow as being Russian, uh, agents of Russian influence via Twitter. Now you can see the writing on the wall, which I've got one word for you, Gab AI, okay? Um, uh, Gab.ai. And, and I, look, I've got no stake in that, in that platform. I'm just saying that the people who are on Twitter are being shadow banned. You know, why even subject yourself to that? Go to some place where conservatives are free. I've gone to gab.ai. Yeah, why go to a place that they consider you a Russian bot because of your support for Trump? If I walked into a restaurant and, and, and each time I walk in, they spit on my food. And, they do that anyway without you knowing. They, well, I actually, in, I'll just—I got to tell you the story. I was with uh, with a friend, and uh, he was a criminal investigator in Russia. Well, 
you know, I'll just say it, Rochester, New York, all right? It's, it's actually not quite Rochester, but we'll just say Rochester. Very close enough. And uh we had to go eat to a couple of towns away. Um, and uh, basically, I had an order for him. And then he'll... It, 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 it was just weird because they would spit in his food. They would pour... um um, chemicals in his food, you know, like from the kitchen. It, it was that bad. And this is exactly what, um, in, in a way, the, the same analogy applies here. And, it, and it, I'm going to tell you something. You, you would not believe it unless you lived it and seen it. It, it, it in that case, and, but in this case, it's the same thing. But John Carlin, the signatory of the Pfizer warrants. You've got, of course, look, the, the usuals. You've got Loretta Lynch. You've got James Comey. Lynch on the, on the, uh, justice side. Comey on the FBI side. And Mueller as well on the FBI side. By the way, I, I go over this in detail in my morning show. This is the most important, absolutely the most important story of our lifetimes right now that's coming out. Do not mistake this for anything less than the most important story of our life. I had a conversation this morning with Holly Dale. It's just a great lady. And by the way, Stan will not be with us tomorrow night. They've got a, there's a big project that I'll leave it at that. But, uh, I was speaking with Holly and, and she said, did you hear, you know, about this memo and, and certain parts of the memo? And I, yeah, yeah, you know, uh, what is, it, it, but, but, you know, Joe, the underlying documents need to be released as well. Yeah. I, the, uh, I'm absolutely convinced of that. They're classified, but they can be redacted in a way that the relevant information uh, is released so that people know. And who cares if they're classified? They were used. I mean, Adam Schiff, don't forget, this is the guy uh, who's telling us we can't see the uh, FISA document because we don't have the underlining and background documents to make our own opinions off. And this is from the same guy who reads from the dossier as though it were true. Look, have you ever seen, most people, I don't know, have you ever seen a warrant, a completed warrant? Hopefully I'm sure not. I have. Hopefully not. You haven't, hopefully you haven't served with one, but, you know, look, I've seen warrants. I've, I've, I've helped draft warrants. I, I, I understand it. Don't tell me you're not going to understand it. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's all it's craziness, and uh, just to sum up this article, um, a number of people were tweeted out blocking documents is a super weird thing to do, as if Democrats assert all they want is transparency. What are they trying to hide? That from verified Twitter account of Sean Davis, and um, you know we saw this release of the memo hashtag trending almost number one on Twitter on Friday. Tilla was what, released from Shadow Band right? on Twitter. Right. They they released it and pulled it down. But get involved. Call your congressional office. Email your congressman. Call your senators. Put the pressure on these people. They're not going to release this stuff willingly. They need to be reminded who they work for. And people need to get out there and make the call. Send the email. Start the petitions. Do not let this disappear uh, because the government shut down and is now re- is, is back reopening, um, whether that was a distraction or not, we have to stick to this. This has to get out to the public. And I know a certain number of um, media outlets won't even talk about this. They won't even mention this. And they've already, as you see, are laying the groundwork for when this does get released, why it is a lie, it's a sham, it shouldn't be paid any attention to, why it's not the whole story. 
but we need the truth. It's been over a year and a few months since the election, since the attempted subversion of Donald Trump as a presidential candidate and as a president. The Mueller investigation needs to stop. The did coup you is still going he's on. He's going after money, potential money laundering. Uh, you know, did you hear? Okay, one of the big stories over the weekend on Friday was this uh, yes, porn star. Mueller is expanding his investigation into apparently a porn star who was paid off 10 years ago. Is he serious? I mean, yeah. is, is this just anonymous sources gone wild? Or, or is he really... I mean, this is so far beyond like the scope show. of his investigation. Even if he wanted to look at it as something serious, it is a joke, as you just basically well, well, pointed well, okay. out. Okay, when, when, when you look at the charges, uh, Manafort, that, that, that precedes any dealings that right. Manafort had with Donald Trump. That's why he's suing Mueller. Right, and he, he could very well prevail in this suit. And here's the, uh, here's the underlying, by the way, here's the underlying federal, federal law or felony committed by Strzok or allegedly, okay, committed by Strzok and others, and I'll name them, all of them here, momentarily, that you're going to hear on the chopping block, but uh, it's the uh, deprivation of rights under the color of law. That's the federal law. And and you can look that up. I don't know what's that was, 18 U.S.C., I don't know. But it's um, the deprivation of rights under the color of law. Now, uh the people who are involved in this at the top lynch and then you've got uh, deputy director Sally Yates then John Carlin I referenced he's the actual signatory on the FISA warrants then you have Bruce Orr Bruce Orr now we're starting to get into from Carlin on down you're starting to get into people who I believe will either be terminated from government once this memo is released and or um, arrested this is my belief uh, so you've got Carlin, you've got Bruce Orr, you've got, uh, a number of, uh, a number of civil servants at that level within the Department of Justice. On the FBI side, you've got, uh, Comey, of course, McCabe. Uh, I think McCabe will probably get, uh, get impeached. Well, you, you, Comey will be impeached. And you can, you can still impeach someone post position. So Comey could still be impeached. Um, but McCabe and uh, Batman himself, Peter Strzok, along with his paramour Lisa Page, you know, between the sheets, a little action there. And uh, again, where's 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 Peter Strzok's wife? Huh? Yeah, yeah, okay. And then of course you've got uh, James Baker, the FBI legal counsel for the FBI, James Baker, and somebody that you don't that you don't hear about is Bill Priestep. Bill Priestap, remember that name. Now, Dan Bongino does a, a podcast every day. Uh, and I remember going through uh, law enforcement training, the, the accredited courses for law enforcement training, okay? And, and, he, and he speaks of his mantra, remember the names, okay? And that's his thing, remember the names. Because, and that's what, what I've been taught, too. You always remember the names because when you're working on one thing, it'll come up somewhere else and you can put the, the puzzles together. And this is what we do in our investigative capacity. So, uh, the, but the real issue here, and as I said earlier on, on my morning program, and, and look, folks, we talk about this in detail. We have guests on our flagship show. Our flagship show, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern time. Tune in every night, but also, 
if you're not tuning into the shows in the morning and the afternoon, you're missing an element of news of in-depth investigation that you're not getting otherwise. So I would urge, and I know you only have so much time to listen, but I, I spoke about this on my morning show, Fusion GPS and CrowdStrike, both agencies. Based on everything I've been able to research and my findings, Fusion GPS and CrowdStrike have were the recipients of raw 702 intelligence, raw 702, raw intelligence from the FISA warrants, from the FISA surveillance. They had no legal right. There's no legal right for them to, to have that information. And here's the big secret in this memo. <clears throat> or or perhaps this will be circumvented around this memo. Joe, think about this. Fusion GPS. It's not the money going into Fusion GPS. It's the money going out of Fusion GPS. Now think about this. Imagine. Imagine if the books were opened, and I'm using this as an example. Those watching on on those watching on YouTube can see what I'm doing. I'm using this as an example. Hurts my neck when I do that. Imagine Fusion GPS. I've seen a, a line entry on the bank records of Fusion GPS. Fusion GPS to Anderson Cooper. Fusion GPS to Joe Scarborough. Fusion GPS to Brian Ross. Fusion GPS to... No, I'm not going to get that far down because then, of course, you know, I'll get threatened to be sued, right? I, of course, we're just talking in, you know, pretend. That's what is that? Is that possible? Is that possible? Do you see uh, the creator of the once infamous company Bleachbit says? FBI experts question the loss of struck texts. Computer forensic experts are questioning the loss of five months of text messages between two FBI officials who privately disparaged Trump before helping investigate his campaign's possible links to Russia. The Bleachbit, the creator of Bleachbit, the one, the software that Hillary Clinton's subordinates used to clear information from her private server, says that these text messages might be deleted, but they might not be gone or disappeared forever, and that somebody with the right computer knowledge and the access to a device that housed these messages should be able to recover them. They also go in on, on to detail how, uh, how else these text messages might be backed up. If the users were using a Google Cloud system, if the phone was synced up with an FBI desktop computer, home computer, if the uh, phone carrier themselves ha- uh, keeps records of the messages in a database and on and on and on. iCloud, there's so much uh, possibilities as to where these text messages could be that they say it's very Just unlikely the they say it's very unlikely that these could not be recovered and they find the timing of when these text messages were the, the turbulent period between the 14th of December 2016 and May 17th 2017 very uneasy. The missing messages between Strzok and FBI you, officials immediately proceed Council Mueller's May 17th appointment <laughs> and to investigate the Russia's role in the 2016 election. Strzok was taken off Mueller's team in August after the discovery of the messages. 
but they find this to be an unbelievable coincidence, and they believe that if they were given the opportunity, they might be able to recover these messages. So they're saying it's not out of the realm of possibility if uh, these were to turn up, or they could be retrieved possibly with the right IT personnel conducting the right types of uh, sweeps on the devices. So... Look, this is the biggest scandal and the biggest criminal it conspiracy in the, in the history of modern America. I didn't think of, it would be of our, of our of our nation. I didn't think it would be. And then they, you hear oh, compare it to Watergate. On. And then you Watergate. actually think of the details, just a break in it in a, in a, an opposing... Uh, uh, wait, don't, don't minimize Watergate. Well, I'm not. But okay. this is... It, what, what happened is absolutely true. Hillary Clinton tried to, A, she was took the DOJ and the FBI with her criminal cabal to clear her of a, a very obvious felony offense that should have disqualified her from being president first and foremost. But all the pay-to-play, all the Clinton body count, all the things we saw, Uranium One, the email scandals, she tried to steal the election and then had the DOJ and FBI try to subvert candidate then-president-elect Donald Trump in the process, even uh, they have having the uh, foresight to have this Russia probe launched against Trump, which is still a cloud over his presidency. It is the biggest scandal we've ever seen in our lifetime, That's probably right. in the last hundred years. And it is insane to think nobody has gone to jail, and even more so, nobody's even lost their job. But I do believe I do believe that, that with this release, they will lose their job. I really believe that. Now, consider that the Russian disinformation material was on the side of Clinton. In other words, uh, Hillary Clinton... They, this is so absolutely incredible. When you talk with, in fact, I can't even have a discussion with uh, progressives. Nobody can. It's they're many times just beyond hope. But the Russian disinformation material being paid for by Hillary Clinton and the Democratic National Committee, in conjunction with the Department of Justice and the FBI. Um, being used as a foundational documents for a FISA surveillance warrant, perpetrating a fraud on the court. And I will tell you this, remember this name, Rudolph Contreras. That's the FISA court judge, Rudolph Contreras, because he was overseeing the Flynn matter. The whole Flynn thing, uh, what a bunch of crap that was. Uh, Flynn should have never, ever, ever, ever been. He got bad legal advice, in my opinion. But Rudolph Contreras, six days into the Flynn trial, recuses himself. What's the reason for that? There's only one reason, a conflict of interest. Where's a a conflict of interest lie or exist? Because you've got a small pool of FISA court judges. I submit to you that it was Contreras who signed off on the FISA surveillance warrants for Donald Trump based on false intelligence that ensnared, in part, Flynn. Well, that involved at the periphery Flynn. It's not easy necessarily to... It's kind of complex. There are a lot of moving parts to this. And then you've got Hillary Clinton and the DNC using Perkins Coy, the law firm that we hear, remember the names, Perkins Coy, birth certificate, uh, Obama's law firm, and Mark, Mark Elias, uh, 
via okay the the DNC and Hillary Clinton campaign via Perkins Coy with Christopher Steele, uh, uh, the uh, providing the the thirty five page unsourced uh, unsubstantiated piece of crap that was used as a basis for the Pfizer warrant, but Hillary or the Clinton camp, campaign. Paid Perkins Coy what five point six million dollars. Follow the money in fees from June of twenty fifteen uh, through December of twenty sixteen, and the DNC paid Perkins Coy three point six million since twenty fifteen. So when you follow this money and you match it up to things like uh, uh, Fusion GPS, their bank records, and after the election, the FBI agreed to pay Christopher Steele to continue his intelligence gathering services. That was from November eighth through the uh, through the date when the when the uh, dossier was was actually released. So you've got how do you even how do you even describe that? How do you how do you tell that to explain that to your progressive lunatic idiot uh, family members? It's difficult. Sorry, but it's difficult. Uh, so so this four page memo lays it out and for Schiff to say I mean I can't his eyes are going to bug out even further when when and his next thing up even higher when when he sees the result the reaction of the clued in American public about what's what's behind this memo uh, but, but I, I find it very interesting though absolutely interesting I did a couple of videos and one was about the missing uh, text messages look don't send me email I do. Hang on just a second. Do you really think? I, I guess I give some people too much credit because I get these emails saying, "Well, you know, they're not really missing." <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. You're not getting. That's not the point. Oh my word! The point is they're saying that they're missing. I don't know. Do I have to write in crayon? You know. Yeah. Sometimes. On a, on a, on a, uh, I, I don't know. Sometimes. You know what I love? My goodness. When we talk about something, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and it's, it's su- the same subject, one subject. Yeah. And then on Saturday, you get an email. Why don't you, you talk, about, talk this? about this? It's like, what show are you listening to? And then sometimes we get it from regular listeners, too, and I just got to shake my head. And I understand that, you know, people have Look, different you, attentions. Y'all, y'all got and, lives, too. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, and I, I, the regular list. Well, we can make a short list of, of emails that get under our skin sometimes. Yeah. And if you're a regular listeners, if you're regular, look, we forgive you for that. It's the people who might see the title of the show and not listen to the show. And why didn't you mention this? Well, yeah, yeah. What show were you listening to? Okay, exactly. And by the way, one name that I want you to, I want to mention, make sure that everyone knows. And I, I mentioned her in, in my show this morning, Evelyn Farkas. And you might say, who in the world is... Who in the world is that? Oh, this is good. Former Deputy uh, Assistant Secretary of Defense for the Russia-Ukraine-Eurasia uh, uh, Affairs, Evelyn Farkas. Evelyn Farkas, remember that name. Easy name to remember. Okay. March 2nd, 2017. She appears on Morning Joe, MSNBC. Let me. Let me... Let me... Let me, let me cite what right. she said. Okay. And when you're done, I got an update on the FISA memo on the plans to release. Okay, I'll just be real, real quick. Here's what she said on MSNBC. If they found out how we knew what we knew about the Trump staff dealing with the Russians, they would try to compromise sources and methods. Uh, in other words, 
what what she was what she was doing was uh, uh, I was urging my former colleagues and frankly speaking the people on the hill uh, to get as much information as you can get as much intelligence as you can before Obama leaves office and uh, if they found out how we knew what we knew about the Trump staff dealing with the Russians they would try to compromise sources and methods in other words they'd try to expose us if they found out how we got our information. Evelyn Farkas, March 2nd, 2017, Morning Joe, uh, or MSNBC. Go ahead. Awesome. Let's, let's get into that. All right, real quick, just a minute and a half before the break here. Republicans hope to release jaw, jaw-dropping memo on surveillance abuses. This from Fox News. House Republicans are hopeful that a four-page memo allegedly containing jaw-dropping revelations about U.S. government surveillance abuses will soon be made public. Now, this really gets under my skin. Um Somebody interviewed by Fox said that they'll be surprised how bad the memo is. Well, of course. The process of releasing the memo could take up to 19 congressional working days. Yeah, that's the release around around mid-March. The documents released first would need approval from the House Intelligence Committee chairman, Nunez, who can decide to bring the committee back together for a vote. If the majority of the committee votes to release the memo, it would then be up to President Trump. That could be Obviously, all done in 48 hours. It could be done in 10 minutes. Yes, yes, it, it could be. Yeah, but but that was, the 19 days is like, that's like saying, okay, how many dog years? Okay, it's ridiculous. It could be done right away. That And the FBI has asked for a, a copy of the memo and has been repeatedly told no. Absolutely. That's like me. Can Why you give him a heads up? Here, here. Uh, here's our, here's our, Here's the evidence we have yeah, here's here's game game before. I mean, it's not. Yeah, it's not. It, it's it's ridiculous. It's, it's Some lawmaker says this will give factual inaccuracies oh, of the distorted goodness. view of the FBI, while others have said termination would be the least of these people's worries when the memo is released. Many will be, be even be prosecuted, according to. Uh, Joyce, who is a Republican out of Ohio. And, and, and remember that 99-page uh, FISA audit court document. Uh, I think one of my, I, I don't know if it's in, in one of my videos I did, 99 pages, uh, April 26, 2017, that was released outlining FISA, court, uh, FISA uh, so abuses. We'll be right back with Paul McGuire after this. Monday edition of the Hagman Report. Today is January 22nd, 2018. We're going to be joined by Paul McGuire, author of Trumpocalypse, in just a few moments. We're going to get his take on the first year of the Trump presidency, as well as uh, what else is on his radar that he, he's always got uh, some great perspectives on current events and things that are ongoing, so we're going to be bringing him on. One last thing on the missing text messages. This from lawandcrime.com. Lost FBI text messages could form basis for motion to dismiss Trump team fight against Russia probe. The latest news that the five-month worth of text messages between Strauch and Page is sure to make supporters of President Trump continue to claim that the Russia investigation is politically motivated, a politically motivated scheme. Trump lawyer, Trump's lawyers will now be able to do the same because of all this information. Let me ask you a question. Who appointed, who, who appointed uh, uh, Mueller? 
Well, it wasn't uh, recused Jeff Sessions. It was Rod Rosenstein. Right. So what happens if they find out or if it's determined by the House Intelligence Committee that Rosenstein was part of the cabal that, uh, and I believe this to be the case, that lied to provide the false information for the basis of the FISA warrant? And thereby, thereby well, showing, no. proving that the Russian narrative, as it was, as it was described, was false. Then so I would say, uh, you know, not only Mueller's got to go, Mueller's got to go, and people got to be indicted. That's right, and not just fired, but indicted. And I just want to mention this: this goes back, and, and people have to look at it with a wider lens because this goes back to. Uh, uh, you can go back to 2005, August, with Obama, junior senator, go Luger delegation. Um, you think of Uranium One now. With the Luger delegation, the uh, the uh, dismantling of nuclear warheads, what's the property from that? Uranium. He was sent over to Russia, right? Remember that with Luger? Mm-hmm. And then he got stopped at the Perm Airport in Siberia. Held there for three hours, him and Luger, why, and the delegation, why, passport irregularities mm-hmm. of Obama. And then September of 2015, or 2005, the next month, Clinton found himself in Kazakhstan, ostensibly to take care of the AIDS epidemic. There was no AIDS epidemic. There was, it, I got an email saying, you know there was no AIDS epidemic after saying, look, there was no AIDS epidemic. I, I get it. Uh, 0.1% of the population had uh, any type of AIDS epidemic, but that was the pretext for him to go over to, to Kazakhstan when, in fact, the real uh, part of it was the $5 trillion from Kazakhstan in natural resources, of which was uranium, and, of course, Jusra and, and Clinton hooked up together to... Uh, to get the uranium, and then that resulted in a big mess with Putin and such. But the Clinton Foundation kind of stepped in there, or the uh, the Clinton Foundation stepped in there. And then later on, um, you've got the uh, Dep- uh, Secretary of State uh, performance also, you know, using the reset button. But this goes back, way back, into uh, well over a decade and you, you got don't forget Miller was director of the FBI from 01 to 13 uh, uh the uh passport office break in was in March of 2008 uh under CIA director John Brennan then NSA director to uh Obama all of these little dots connect and then of course you had that March 2009 reset so you have to look at everything from a 30,000 foot view all of us a little blips on the event screen yeah, uh, as 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 disparate as they might seem to you, all connect. Look, you know, look and think bigger. So, um, this is bigger than any one. But but this has been a coup that's been in, in progress, and the intent was to really change the state of the nation and ch- change it into a a uh, su- subjugated nation of. Uh, Subjugated to the, the global governance by Hillary Clinton, and she was going to be the last, uh, essentially the last uh, quote elected president of the United States, and that's why they have to get. They still have to get Donald Trump out of there. They're still having to get Donald Trump out of there. Did you see Newsweek run a piece last week? Yeah, as to how Hillary can how still, Hillary can yeah. still be president? I say all of yeah. the politicians in Washington D.C. could die, and half the people in the country of the United States would die, and she still wouldn't be in the top 50 running for who should be president. But anyway, we have with us our guest, Mr. Paul McGuire. PaulMcGuire.us is the website. He's the author with Troy Anderson of his latest book, Trumpocalypse, The End Times President, A Battle Against the Globalist Elite and the Countdown to Armageddon. Paul, welcome back to the show. 
Hey, gentlemen, it's great to uh, see you again. Your set looks, uh, sorry for the word, it's retro, spiffy, a very, very spiffy, high-tech set. Oh, th- thank you, uh, Paul. It hasn't changed since the uh, last time you were here, but that's okay. It's. Uh, well, I blew it up on my uh, my laptop from the small size to the big size. I got a whole different perspective. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you know, you got you to you gotta sit in here. Um it's uh it's pretty cool. So this one, you guys look good. I feel I feel embarrassed that I'm not wearing my white shirt and my tie after looking at you guys. Yeah, uh, that's all right, Paul. I got a question. Are you do you have the show on in a on a browser yeah, or something? Yeah, turn it off. Yeah, Wait, just the audio. Back. You you can watch the video. Just the audio. Okay, I thought that was a problem. Forgive. Me. Okay, how's that? All right, should be should be better. Now I can hear you. <laughs> you can't. There you go. You sh- can you hear me? Can you hear us? How's that? It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Perfect. Okay. All right. Should I be wearing earpiece? Sorry for wasting your time. Should I be wearing uh, earphones? It's fine <laughs> now. Whatever you're comfortable with. Yeah. Okay. Hold on. How's that? Uh. Hold on. I'm gonna move this. We're hearing mic. some feedback. Yeah. Yeah, we're hearing feedback oh, somewhere. That's right. How's it? Hold on. Hold on. How's that? Wait a minute. <laughs> you think an ex-film producer oh, would actually do something right? We're hearing some feedback. Yeah, uh, yeah we're hearing feedback. Hold on, you're hearing feedback? That's right. Hold on, hold on. Is it better now? Wait a minute. <laughs> you think an ex-film producer oh, would actually do something right? We're hearing feedback. You want me to wear these headphones? <laughs> no, Paul, I want the background noise to stop. What? <laughs> I said I want the background noise to stop. We hear ourselves in like two or three different feeds coming out of your... Okay, hold on. You know, now that I've, now that I've train-wrecked your show, hold on. I love it. I'm going to uh, get out of this screen, and I'm going to shut down all the garbage. Okay, hold on. Now that I've train-wrecked your show, hold on. I love it. Okay. Uh, get out of the screen, and I'm going to shut down all the garbage. Don't, Joe is a, don't adjust I don't, your sets. Joe, I don't blame you for being confused. I would no, be It is funny, and I got I got a, a cold, and I'm trying to keep it all in here, and you're making me laugh, Paul. It's 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 all good, Paul. I got a cough drop in my mouth. Okay, wise men from uh, the East Coast, tell me what to do. Okay, you've got one of the feeds from the show running. We're on a, we're on two different delays because we're on three different platforms. Okay, so I'll fix this in two seconds. Now that I've humiliated myself. Oh no, no worries. Just you can close the browsers. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Okay. You think I would have figured that out before I got on the air? Okay. Boom. Gone. Right. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Well, we Paul. Go. Paul's the author with Tori Anderson of Trumpocalypse. Paul, we're one year into uh, since the inauguration of, of Trump. One year into the Trump presidency. Uh, let's start here. All the uh, opposition against Trump, both uh, in the political world and the spiritual world. What, what would you give Trump as a, a grade rating on the first year of his presidency? Given the fact that every single mainstream media, the globalist elite, the banking, the finances, the intelligence agencies, the FBI, 
the left, which is turned fascist, the billionaire finance uh, radical activist groups, and hell itself have all come against one man, and he was still able to deliver a great economy and defend our freedoms. I give him the highest rating possible, not five stars, five trillion stars. I I agree. Um, you know, despite his personality, which people really take issue with, you know, he, he definitely has an ego on him. He, he, he's been described as a street fighter. He likes to win. Uh, anytime anybody, you know, says anything against him, he pushes back, which a lot of people take issue with. But that's really why we elected him is to be that political outsider and to, to represent, you know, the Americans. And I believe he's done a fantastic job of that. And despite all the, the opposition we've seen, in the media and the political establishment against him. This shutdown being the latest example of that. Democrats are looking foolish by holding the country hostage, uh, trying to force illegal immigration as part of a uh, government funding bill. So uh, we saw him come out on top of this again, but the immigration debate still looms. Yeah, and uh, I, I want to respond to something you said, but I, I just want to dip into this uh, DACA thing. I don't think the American public at large really, really understands what DACA entails and the DREAM Act entails. What it really entails, because you'll never hear this in the media at all, what it really entails is that you will have people, and this is not a racial disparagement, by the way, you'll have people uh, allowed to come into the nation, they will be legalized, okay, uh, instantly, or they've been here and they're going to be legalized. Now, what they get in return in this act is they get uh, selected for the highest colleges and universities in the nation. Princeton, Harvard, Yale, very wide spectrum of the highest universities. And guess what? You'll never hear this in the media, but they, at the end of the day, don't have to pay off these outrageous college loans. So not only do they get put artificially into the front of the line in terms of being selected uh, uh, by the best schools, because that's the social engineering part of it, but they don't have a college loan when the day is done of 100000 or, or or whatever the average is now. And I don't really believe most Americans have a, a critical awareness of just how great an advantage that gives people who are not U.S. citizens. So people of all racial groups who are U.S. citizens uh, have to fight and scramble. Maybe they'll get into Harvard. Maybe they'll go to a city college. Who knows? But it'll be very tough. But whatever they do, they're going to pay these enormous college loans off, whereas what they're not telling you in the media is this is social engineering, and the young men and women uh, who who are made legal, like instantaneously, don't have to pay these giant college loans. You know, a lot of people have been dealing with uh, college loans, whether they've seen an increase in wage garnishments, but it is one of the bigger bubbles that are out there. And right. you, you see this uh, with, with the way the market is, there's, there's also people who are warning of another housing bubble. So there are these bubbles out there, whether it's a credit bubble, a student loan bubble, housing bubble, that are 
and their debt is still at an all-time high, but the economy is looking strong. But that could be just a temporary. Hey, 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 Paul, let's have some fun if you don't mind. You, when okay. you, when you, when you and I were college tuition, what was it, a semester or a year? Uh, would you? Uh, you don't have to tell me what you paid, but what was the average college tuition for a year back back when you and I went to? You want the brutal naked truth? Yeah. Okay. Being having hair down to my butt and high as a kite on marijuana and stuff, I really have no clue. Okay, but well, it, roughly twelve hundred dollars a year. That two, two. Yeah, it was something very cheap. Like yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I I remember that and thinking, you know, wow, that's a lot of money. Uh, but you know, probably like you, uh, uh, Doug, I I had uh, a job. When I was going to the university, I, I I I was the guy when you were in the bowling alley. I was up uh, behind the bowling machines when the pins got stuck, and I would like you know jump around and pull the pins out. And uh, I was so desperate for a job one summer, I I, I tried to get hired in a mortuary uh, because I figured nobody would want to get hired there. But I worked my tail off yeah. to make ends meet. Yeah. And, and and that's and that that kind of circles back around to the DACA and Dreamers. You, you know, we asked for the the uh, not necessarily the, the the greatest minds in the world, but certainly not the worst gangbangers. And what do we get? We get the the, the gangbang. In the majority of the cases, we get the gangbangers. Uh, don't send me emails, okay? I can just see this now. Um, I'm not talking about the the people who have led uh, stellar lives here, but. Uh, who came in no full of their own, but but you made an important distinction between DACA dreamers and the case we have today. So I, I didn't mean to kind of take you off off track. Continue with uh, the continue. That's okay. Um, back to the I guess the two things that seem to me emerging from what you're saying, what uh, <clears throat> Joe said, what you said, and then listening to your program before I got on uh, so delicately, I uh, appeared on show. Um, the bottom line here is there is a global plan and a plan in the United States that's been accelerating for at least 50 years uh, to radically transform America into a humanist socialist state with a, a all-powerful centralized government. So the reason they're doing that, I, I talked about this on another program of yours, is a lot of people, I like, what's that guy's name? He's an African-American activist. He was with the, the Obama campaign, Glasses, Intelligent Shark Guy, appears on CNN all the time. Van Jones. And, yes, Van Jones. He's got a new show now on, on CNN. Right. Yeah, okay, so Van Jones is a perfect illustration. Van Jones, on one hand, appears to be very bright, very engaging, high level of people skills, dresses well, uh, has passion in his belief system, okay? So superficially, he could be very persuasive. However, uh, I don't doubt his sincerity, but he is sincerely uh, uh, incorrect when it comes to his understanding of Marxist or socialist philosophy. So so he's religious. He says he's not religious, but he worships at the temple of Karl Marx and socialism and progressivism. So he 
believes that that is salvation for mankind. And everything he does is based on that socialist, progressive worldview. Now, the problem with Van Jones is not that he isn't superficially articulate. It's not that he isn't superficially educated, and it's not that he's not superficially has high uh, communication school uh, skills. His essential problem is, is that Van Jones has no idea whatsoever about what he's talking about in terms of the history of civilization, beginning with the birth of Marxist communism and socialism during the French Revolution, uh, just prior I mean, just around the period of the American Revolution. And the French Revolution philosophically birthed this idea that God is dead, and man is God, and reason is God, and science is God. And that was further uh, amplified and strengthened by the thinking of Aldous Huxley and Julian Huxley and this nonsensical theory uh, called evolution, that man came from a spontaneous uh, nothing, and uh, uh, then, you know, after 500 million years uh, from a tadpole uh, and a molecular interaction in a, in a puddle, we became, you know, homo sapiens. So he buys into all this mythology with passion, but his fatal flaw is he has a fundamental disconnect in his brain, like somebody unplugged the power source and his hard drive crashed. And even though he's walking around sounding like he knows what he's talking about, he's clueless. Because if you were to look at Marxism and socialism and the ideas that he proposes to be the solution for America right now, he can't cite a single historical example of any socialist, Marxist, or progressive nation ever. None has existed ever in history. Without exception, they have all dismally failed the people, brought about horrific poverty, uh, the loss of all freedoms, 250 million deaths collectively with all these communist revolutions, and unspeakable brutality, no social justice, and the bottom line is the elite uh, um, are not forced to share the wealth, the elite are enshrined in some kind of communist hierarchy, whereas if you're an official of the party, you live like a prince or a princess. So it's, a, it's his mode of thinking, you see, that's so dangerous in our nation right now. It's infected the millennials, the, the Marxist professors at the universities and colleges are hopeless. Their brains are atrophied. They are the zombie apocalypse. They're incapable of thinking a rational thought because their neurological systems have crashed because they embrace robotically uh, um, a belief system, Marxism, socialism, and humanism, that has never worked. Now, enter into the picture Donald Trump, businessman, entrepreneur, and he is, by his nature, his performance, and his history, he has been forced to produce results and profits that only happens in a capitalist competitive system. And that one man has, has, has hardly been in office any time at all. And for the first time in who knows how many presidents, what, 30 years, 40 years, this is the first time we've seen the stock market and the economy start to rebound powerfully. This is the first time 
after the tyranny of the Bush dynasty and Obama and Clinton and Ford and Carter and all these lunatics, not one of the, I mean, how many U.S. presidents does it take to screw in a light bulb? Not one of these guys, Republican or Democrat, had even a notion of capitalism. Not one of them was able to grow our economy. Now, that's unfathomable. That's inexcusable. So Trump comes on stage, and for the first time in our lives, as he begins to drain the swamp, we see that we've been subjected to a giant scam for the last 40 years. And all this baloney we've heard that, well, we live in an economic marketplace and things are tough and global warming and we have energy shortages, and these are all the so-called reasons why America's economy can't grow. These are all the so-called excuses uh, of why the working class and the middle class, their income is shrinking and not growing. Well, we find out from Trump, he's hardly in office for six months. He's bringing back the jobs. He's causing the economy to boom. And all of a sudden, the, the Illuminati masquerade ball, the music stops to play, the masks are ripped off the, the participants in the Illuminati ball, and you see that these crooks and these thieves, the reason the economy hasn't grown is through their secret globalist treaties. They have now enshrined themselves as the 1% that own 99% of the money and economic resources on planet Earth. 1% owns all of the money, the finances and resources on planet Earth, which is worse than it was three years ago when it was 3% owned all of it. Now, here's the critical thing. This 1%, the globalist elite, are wolves in sheep's clothing. They are in the Illuminati ball. Just think of Kubrick's movie. They're in the Illuminati ball, they're dancing, and isn't it interesting, if you had two parallel economic charts, you would see that the wealthiest globalist elite have become increasingly wealthier. So the 1% now owns 99% of the world's money and resources, and 99% of the people, 99% of the people, only own 1% of the resources, and this happened during the exact same timetable as the trade treaties were passed, because the real reason for the trade treaties was to transfer the wealth of the middle class and the working class, not only to third world nations, but to transfer the wealth of the working class and the middle class into the 1% global elite, that's why they're richer than they ever have been in the history of civilization. Paul, you said a whole lot there, and I saw, I'm trying to find an article I saw earlier today on the Drudge Report that details the wealth gap even further. Three richest American equal poorest half of population. And this is a crazy article from USA Today. It says that a new billionaire is created every other day but three of the richest Americans have the same amount of wealth as the poorest half of the U.S. population, and 82% of the global wealth generated last year went to just 1% of the population. So we're seeing an increase in the uh, you know, class warfare and the income discrepancies, and the rich continue to get richer and the poor continue to get poorer. 
And this is uh, something that we've seen for for so long, and it's continuing, even with the uh, you know huge stock market increase and the good economy, the way that we see the economy uh, going in the right direction. It seems that you know a high percent of everything that's gained, though, goes to such a very few percentile of the population. And it is uh, obviously we see the the uh, problems that it causes, and how the middle class is hurting, and how uh, the lower class is is really hurting. And we see this increase in, in homelessness all across the country. I just saw a report on actually NBC's Today Show last Friday where there's over 60,000 homeless people in LA city alone, which is just, uh, it's staggering. And California is the uh, most poverty stricken state now, even though it was once, you know, one of the richest states. But I want to go back to something you said about Van Jones and this whole communist socialist push that we see from this, you know, this liberal insanity is what I like to call it. You're right. There has not been any example of this ever working or even doing it. They never even break even. It's always some, you know, murderous despot that comes in and kills everybody in the end. And then it's restored to some form of other government that is much more uh, tolerant than socialism or communism. I mean, look at Venezuela. They say you either have to, you know, basically rob or kill uh, zoo animals or starve to death. But they don't ever promote or talk about those instances. It's always wanting to bring America down to some other level. And they think that this is progress somehow. They think that this is trendy, that they're doing this out of the, uh, out of compassion and, uh, you know, some sort of humanitarian calling. When in fact this is, uh, we talked about it so much, this is spiritual darkness. And I would go on to say that this, the spirit that we see against Donald Trump is a collective spirit of, of antichrist that has infected all these people in Hollywood and the media even in the political establishment, much of the population. And it's a spirit, because these people can't hide it, that anything that is good that is promoted on the right, the Christian right, is looked at as evil. These people promote abortion. They promote all these horrible things, yet they, they prance around as some kind of, uh, you know, uh, moral with some sort of moral superiority, when they're the opposite of that. And then they call us hateful and intolerant for not embracing their murderous, evil uh, agenda. It's really reaching a fever pitch, and I think it's going to create a much bigger conflict than the verbal ones that we've seen in the political arena. Uh, yeah, that was a very, uh, a, a very well thought out analysis because you're right. And, and as somebody who formerly came from the left when I was, uh, <clears throat> you know, a young kid growing up, um, at least at that time, the left had a certain amount of integrity, okay? So the average leftist, uh, when I was a kid and in college, they, they had a certain amount of integrity in the sense that they wanted, they believed in free speech, for example. They did not believe in censorship. They believed in your right to say whatever you thought without interference. And they were champions. The left were champions of free speech, and conservatives were falsely accused of being censored. Now, the free speech movement that began on college campuses occurred at the University of Berkeley. Uh, and there was a radical activist named uh, Mario Savio, uh, who was head of the free speech movement. And his whole basic thing at the University of Berkeley, and it spread all across the United States, was students have the right to say whatever they believe without fear of incrimination. Well, the left and progressivism has evolved in their eyes. It's morphed into something that it never was. 
It has become a Frankenstein. It has be, the, the, the left um, will not admit the truth, which is they have morphed into a Frankenstein. And the, the, the fascists that are the most brutal and insane in today's culture are those on the left. You see them. They, they're strident. They act with a militancy. They will do anything to shut up the voices of their opponent. Blood, destroying people's lives, apparently murder. I mean, this guy is raising money on some kind of organization. He calls something like, you know, assassinate Trump. This is moral insanity. Or what's her name? Uh, Kathy Lee Griffith. Uh, thankfully, it has been, you know. Yeah thinking it's humorous and CNN thinking it's humorous to hold up a picture of a beheaded Donald Trump. This is a, 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 a glimpse into the soul. The left did not used to be like this, but this is what the left has become. And we need to recognize this. There are still those in the left that are honest, that have integrity, and retain those uh, original values of humanism uh, a, a kind of a good humanism. They're there, but the ones that are in control uh, are what I call the fascist left. And they are people uh, in Hollywood, some of them, like, what's her name? Meryl Streep. She yeah. is a fascist. Uh, the guy who has a, a greatly exaggerated view of his acting ability, Robert Nero, the amphetamine speed freak psychotic from Taxi Driver with uh, that young girl actress. De Niro has a big mouth, uh, like a lot of New Yorkers have a big mouth. You know, it's deliberately sarcastic. But De Niro has a big mouth, but he's no brain. So he screams and rails at Trump, as does what's his name, uh, the guys on, who was on Saturday Night Live all the time. You know, Alec Baldwin. Yeah, thank you, Alec Baldwin screams and yells and mocks Trump, but Meryl Streep, um, um, Baldwin, and, and, and people like that, they don't even have a molecular cell of a clue about how to run this country. They're frauds, and they're worshipped by, by the aspiring Hollywood leaf because it's a caste system in Hollywood. They're the high priestesses and priests. If you want to get promoted, you have to bow and dress like them and act like them and speak like them. Otherwise, no doors will open for you. But what I'm seeing in Hollywood is there is a underground, uh, I wouldn't call it a resistance, but an underground social revolt among bright, intelligent young actors, directors, uh, producers, etc., that are sick of this dinosaur Industrial, industrial revolution, you know, Marxism, recycle. 100%. All, all I want to say is preach it, brother. I mean, seriously, you're nailing it uh, entirely. Uh, this is, you, you know, from a, from a cruising altitude, this is all about the Luciferian agenda using Marxism as a political platform, right. socialism to, to subjugate the nation our nation yes. into the globalist new world order. Yes. Yeah. Okay, I'm glad, I'm glad you said that. So, what was the agenda? First of all, people who are Marxist, progressives, millennials, and, and, and embrace this leftist, pseudo-utopian mindset, uh, they, they 
are not using their rational minds. They're programmed. They're brainwashed. They're hypnotized. You know, they call Christians, you know, like we're brainwashed, we're a cult, we're dangerous. Well, let me tell you something. The most religious, dangerous cult in America is secular humanism in its radical form, because secular humanism in its radical form is really more dangerous than militant extremist Islam, than fundamentalist Christianity, or the religious groups that the media loves to attack. Because secular humanism and progressivism and communism and socialism is the most dangerous cult there is, because instead of worshipping a guru or a teacher, they worship themselves as God, which is an act of psychosis. And because they worship themselves as God, in their own writings, which I've quoted, and you guys know this exhaustively in my books, like Conquering the Matrix, and we carry it over into Trump Apocalypse, they say with their own mouths, over and over again, and this is an exact quote, Bertrand Russell, the Fabian Socialist, said it. See, my hand was going like this, and I caught myself, because I'm not obviously a member of the Illuminati or something. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you that people are going to screen cap that, okay? Right. And it's going to go viral. Right. Yeah. There's always going to be somebody who has the intellect of a pea in a bowl of pea soup, and because I made that expression, he's going to do the critical analysis to determine I'm some kind of cult. Well, fooling on that, that was a hand gesture I had before I knew what that stuff was about. Okay, so, the most dangerous cult in America and the world is the cult of humanism, which masquerades as benevolent, kind, compassion, just like so many dangerous cults. I mean, Jim Jones, to his followers, was very compassionate, and then he led them to drink Kool-Aid, and they all committed suicide. David Koresh, why, by the way, in our world of Orwellian media, where I don't believe there's accidents, things are aired on television because they have hidden subliminal messaging and agendas. So why, out of the middle of nowhere, are we seeing an episodic television show on David Goresh? We just saw a big documentary on CBS 60 Minutes on David Goresh, all telling the same false narrative. Okay? Now, there's a reason for it, because what they're doing subliminally is they're embedding in the subconscious minds of millions of Americans that Christians who believe in the Bible, and specifically Bible prophecy, are dangerous, child-molesting, right-wing extremists that want to get guns and molest kids and stuff. That's the narrative behind the movie The Handmaid's Tale, which I wrote about, by the way, when it was still a book about 15 years ago, in a book I wrote called Who Will Rule the Future? These are all narratives that speak of a futuristic dictatorship in which psychotic Christian fundamentalists run the world, as if 
Christian fundamentalists were even remotely a danger. They're not. The most dangerous people are the left, the progressives, and the socialists, which are progressives on the left, because they don't worship David Koresh. They don't wor worship uh, uh, Reverend Moon. They don't worship uh, L. Ron Hubbard. They worship themselves. They truly believe that they are God. And as such, they can do whatever they want. So you see repeated statements in first-hand documents, which we quote in Trumpocalypse, which I quote in uh, uh, Conquering the Matrix. You'll see repetitively statements by Brzezinski, the founder of the Trilateral uh, Commission, uh, a key player with uh, Rockefeller. You'll see it uh, said over and over again by Bertrand Russell, the Fabian socialist who wrote Why I'm Not a Christian. He was also secretly behind the anti-war movement, hated Christianity. <clears throat> and these were the, the intellectuals who mapped out the plan for the New World Order. Now, why these people are all dangerous is because in their own words, in their own quotations from their own books, which we cite and document in Trumpocalypse, Trumpocalypse, is they say this over and over again, quote, really high-minded people, this is an exact quote, are above things like traditional values or traditional moral, morals. That's an exact quote. Really high-minded people, that means they're speaking of themselves, the elite, really high-minded people like we, the elite, we're, we're above traditional morality. We're gods in and of ourselves, and therefore we can do what we believe is right for mankind simply because we are higher up in the genetic evolutionary scale. And they really believe this. This is what Adolf Hitler believed, by the way. There's no difference. So you'll read Brzezinski saying over and over again, he's calling for the mass decimation or killing or mind control of, you know, over a billion people on planet Earth who won't uh, be subjugated to the rule of this new world order ruled by, Brzezinski says, a scientific dictatorship. Or we read Bertrand Russell, who says the exact same thing. He, in his own book, and I quote this in, in my books, he says that it's perfectly justifiable to, to launch uh, global, uh, 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 deadly man-made laboratory plagues. It's perfectly acceptable to kill off hundreds of millions of people because we have a population overpopulation problem. So it's perfectly acceptable to do mass killing, and we need to do it with biological plagues that are man-made. We need to do it with nuclear weapons. This is what this man is saying. And so did H.G. Wells and a whole bunch of others. So they believe they're genetically superior. They believe they're members of the scientific dictatorship. These are the people, and I really want to convey this to your, your viewers and your listeners, these are the intellectuals, the thinkers, and the planners, and the people who have mapped out the society you live in in America or wherever you're listening from. And they have, they don't even blush. They don't even flinch because they have deemed themselves above any kind of morality. And they, you know, people don't want to accept this, so they go into denial. But you need to, 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 to throw your denial in the, uh, uh, what's the thing in the kitchen? I forgot. You, you put it, you press the button, it grinds at the garbage. Well, you got your, uh, garbage disposal, yeah. or you, you got your trash unpacker, yes, or, or in you. my case, a blender. 
Uh, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, I'm laughing because my blunder is near the thing, so I won't get into that. Uh, so, so they just throw it down the blender, and and it disappears. I made you do it. They, they don't want to deal it. So, so we now have uh, we're already into World War Three, and the hidden agenda by, behind World War Three is to create a global socialist state. It's to reduce uh, the population of planet Earth by billions of people. So these people who come off so nice and friendly, some of them are the, uh, uh, the, 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 the heads of giants of the high-tech companies, and they're smiling, and they wear glasses, and they look compassionate, and they do things for kids, and they, and they, uh, they promote uh, uh, vaccinations. And uh, But the problem is that when you read Bertrand Russell, Bertrand Russell said we need to use vaccinations for mass uh, uh, killing to, to save the planet. So you're talking about people who really believe they're gods, and they really believe in evolution. So they believe they're genetically superior, and they have the right to do this, and they have no flinch of conscience whatsoever. And, and what I want to convey to your uh, listeners is that is, I don't care if you see them wearing name brand running shoes and smiling and, you know, wearing their T-shirts and running a social media company and inventing a new kind of computer or, or cell phone or virtual reality. They're all hip. They're all cool. They're all tech billionaires. But a large percentage of them subscribe to this belief system uh, of the globalist elite, and they have no qualms whatsoever about killing off you know, several billion people on planet Earth as fast as possible. So this is what I want to challenge you, the listener, to do. What is the difference between their mentality and actions and the actions and the mentality of Adolf Hitler, who believed in a master race, and he killed and incinerated those that he believed were genetically inferior in the concentration camps of Auschwitz. He killed 8 million people, Jews and Protestants. This same fascist mentality, which comes directly out of the philosophical idea that man is God, produces death and destruction. And we, you know, there are so many similar similarities, although they brand themselves as being, you know, the opposite of that and even brand their enemies as, as you know, Nazis and, and racists and whatnot. But I've never, I mean, these are the most vile people that we've ever seen. Yeah. These are the most racist and hateful people that we've ever seen. And again, I have to go back to the spiritual battle, Paul, because nothing else makes sense to see yeah. this mass delusion. Uh, and this reminds me of what the the scripture says. It seems like we're only, you know, one um, one of these people getting in a role of leadership in this country from being away from the Bible verse where it says that they deliver you up and kill you and think right. they do me a favor. Uh, right. Paraphrasing, of course. But that is the mentality we see. And then you talk about the, the, you know, the technocratic era that we see and this, uh, you know, merging with man and machines and, um, just this constant encroachment on, on humans and the, the human, uh, condition and freedom. It is a recipe for disaster. And, you know, we see that, that the political divide in this country is so great that it doesn't seem like there's ever going to be any reconciliation unless one side wins out over the other. And if we believe what the scripture says, 
then that other side eventually is going to win out, that deluded, delusional, murderous side that you're talking about. Right. It's just a matter of time. But we, while we're here, while we recognize this, and while we still have people uh, fighting for you know a righteous agenda, have an opportunity to keep that at bay uh, as long as possible. And uh, Donald Trump, just by him being in the office of presidency, even if he were to do nothing with his time there, is just a huge blessing compared to what it would have happened if we had a Hillary Clinton presidency. Look what they're yeah. doing in Germany. Paul Joseph Watson yeah. released a video last week titled The Mass Brainwashing of Germany, where he showcased the uh, German politicians openly stating how they want the German society erased and they want Germany to become Islamic and the German citizens to bow to Islam. They said it openly. That was their goal in a few years. And we see the TV stations there putting the uh, Islamic crescent and star as their logo. And and it's not about immigration and love and compassion. It's about uh, societal civil war. And that's what they're trying to bring about in the West. And they're doing a good job of it. They have the media on their side. They have Hollywood on their side. And they have uh, a, a percentage of the population on their side. And it's just a matter of time before those ideas win out. And it will be that same totalitarian fascist ideology that that Hitler rolled out in Germany only it will just it will look differently than uh how Germany looked with the Nazis but make no mistake the same people who say that they're anti-fascist they are the fascists the same people who say you know that they're uh they're for the first amendment they're the american press they are the tyrants and they are coming for all of us and if i can just interject one thing folks if you have not read and it's been my pleasure to read Trump Apocalypse. Uh, it's amazing, as well as the foundational books written by Paul McGuire, uh, Prophecy of the Future of America, both of them, uh, and all of his books, their foundational re- required reading, because what you just heard is explained, written in greater detail. Uh, I love books. I learn from them, and Paul McGuire is a master in terms of teaching through his writings. That's all I wanted to say. Well, thank you for that, and I, I'm very thankful to partner uh, in Trump Apocalypse with my co-author, Troy Anderson, as well as in our previous book, The Babylon Code, because he's a Pulitzer Prize-nominated journalist and, and added immensely to, the, to these books. In light of what you were just saying, um, we, 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 we have to understand where we are in history and what we're supposed to do. And we can't be, we can't have fuzzy thinking at this moment, and we can't be muddled in our thinking. If we truly want to have biblical thinking, that requires discipline. So we have to obviously study the Bible, but that's not enough. See, there's a lot of Christians who study the Bible, and they think that's enough. No, it's not enough. You study the Bible so you can apply biblical truth to every area of reality, including human history or human sexuality or economics or whatever it is, because the Bible speaks about all of those subjects. So here we are in the most critical time in human history, and everything, the potential dangers are, are you know, are really were understated by, by Joe, uh, uh, and I often understate them. The reality is because this man is God, uh, mentality has infected virally uh, um, the power centers of our society. If Trump had not gotten elected, we literally could have 
uh, awakened the next morning to a radical leftist dictatorship. And this is not an exaggeration, because based on their present behavior, their capacity to lie constantly, their capacity to do anything and justify it, uh, the, the, the hatred that they've allowed to, to, to explode in their community, the psychosis that, and the hate that they've allowed to ex, uh, explode in their own community, they would run our nation like all evolutionists do. Because when you throw God out, you make man God, and what does man believe? He believes in the re religion of Darwinian evolution, the fittest survive, uh, might makes right. So when that scenario plays out, you then rule, you take the mask off, you take the Illuminati mask off, and you rule by brute totalitarian force, like in communist Russia, like in communist China, like in Korea, like in uh, uh, North North Korea, and every communist nation there is. This 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 lie, this farce about you know uh, this mirage in the desert of democrats of democratic socialism simply does not exist. It's a fiction. It's like talking about Santa Claus. The reason communism and socialism, without exception, in the last 150 years together. Every communist and uh, Marxist revolution, including the National Socialist Revolution of Adolf Hitler, all produced the same thing. The Stapo, stormtroopers, 250 million people killed by being sent to re-education camps, being shot to death, being tortured, being starved to death, all of their freedoms stolen from them. Unspeakable brutality and cruelty. Christians massacred raped and tortured. Read the biography of Richard Warmbrand, this this fervent Christian pastor who was uh, in a communist nation, and you read his book, and I'm going to say this intentionally to pop the religious balloon in a lot of people's brains. He gives a actual journalistic account of what he saw when the communists took over the Eastern European na uh, nation in which he was in. They, he, he was thrown in jail and tortured constantly. But he said the Christians in this uh, 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 Eastern European nation were uh, totally unprepared for the brutality of the communists. They, they, they believed in this social justice and all the promises of communism. And so they, think, they thought they were going to be liberated. And he said, nuns who devoted themselves to God, were brutally raped and sodomized night after night in front of a whole crowd of men for the, the sexual, sadistic sport of it, along with young girls and acts of pedophilia, torture, brutality, theft, hell on earth. Now, I'm, I'm saying that not to frighten, but I am saying, wake up. Ideas have consequences. If we allow our country to to flip overnight and embrace that idea, I just gave you a very, very small taste of the consequences. God has given us this moment and this hour. He's given us an open door. If you're going to argue theology and about what God's will is for America and where God is in Bible prophecy, you better have your facts right. You better know your Bible and you better have heard from God 
Because if you're preaching a message that is biblically off balance and not preparing the people of God for what is coming, and it's and including a solution that works, then you are going to be responsible because you, you, you shot off your mouth without thinking about it and doing your homework. You're going to be responsible for the demise of God's people. We are not some country that is immune to, to, to the raping and pillaging of, of Christian women and children, okay? This is the brutality that socialism always brings. And the reason for it is this. The law, the mainstream media, you, you cannot believe anything the mainstream media is telling you because the mainstream media is owned totally by the globalist elite. Their job is to spout out globalist propaganda, which is this one world government, world socialist state. You cannot trust men and women who are being paid by the globalist elite to promote propaganda, to attack Christianity, to sell socialism, and to destroy America. What are you, out of your mind? You need to clearly understand that these people have chosen, by receiving their paycheck and selling their souls, they have chosen to be agents of propaganda, and they are the enemies. Listen to me carefully. They are the enemies of truth. And people who are the enemies of truth are the enemies of Jesus Christ. Get it straight in your religious head. Land the, 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 the hot air balloon. Okay? You're not off to see Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz in the hot air balloon. You're not following the yellow brick road. You need to know history. History shouts truth. Proverbs says, truth shouts from the marketplace. It, it, it shouts from what happens in civilizations. You have to know, you have to get your facts right because the stakes are way too high for you to indulge yourself with frivolity. We are at the last hour here in America. Okay? But we need to get our chronological Bible prophecy timetable screwed on right. God has given us an open window at this moment. The purpose of the open window and the open door, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure it out, is to walk through it and occupy until he comes. We're not supposed to occupy after he comes. It's unnecessary. We occupy the land that God has given us. That means, in blunt language, we do not allow the demonic hordes of hell to control our nation, to rape, to destroy, to pillage, to do what they've done in every com uh, communist nation. We must be who God created us to be, new men and women in Christ. We cannot surrender to this kind of, you know, Rambo-style mentality. God called us to be statesmen and stateswomen, priests and prophets, thinkers and communicators. We have been given the power Paul, sorry to interrupt you. I want you to hold that thought. The music was, was playing over what you were saying there, and it was kind of cutting you off. You were on a roll. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Paul McGuire for the next hour. PaulMcGuire.us is the website. His book is called Trumpocalypse. The End Times President, A Battle Against the Globalist Elite and the Countdown to Armageddon. Go to paulmcguire.us or go to Amazon to get the book he and Troy Anderson authored together. We'll be right back after this network break. Don't go anywhere.
Hagman Report. Doug Hagman, Joe Hagman, something I like to call America's premier father-son investigative reporting team. Career investigators in search of answers and getting them. And, of course, uh, one of the most prolific and gifted authors, speakers that we know is Paul McGuire. PaulMcGuire.us is his website. He co-authored a book with uh, Troy Anderson, Trumpocalypse, Required Reading, and, of course, all of his books uh, via PaulMcGuire.us. Extremely, extremely important for background information. I, I love the uh, uh, the, uh, Prophecy of the Future of America books, uh, the Conquering the Matrix, and another, another critical book. All of his books, fantastic. So just expand your library through Paul McGuire's books. And of course, he does some extremely fantastic prayer services. And without any, I don't, I don't want to cut in on this time. I just want to mention a couple of things. Uh, however, necessary to mention. Please say a prayer for Greg Evenson, who's in the hospital. Very serious. Um, Greg Evenson, please say, keep him in your prayers. He was hospitalized over the weekend, and uh, he's, he's subjected or he's going to be subjected to another surgery. Um, please also uh, continue to support the Hagman Report. Would you please do that for us? We are expanding our coverage to include original reports from Washington, D.C. Think about that. Think about that. And all of these improvements cost money and a lot of it. So we really appreciate your support. And if you can't provide monetary support, then then just say a prayer for us. And by the way, we do read every single piece of mail, email that we get. So with that, I'm going to turn it back over to Paul McGuire, paulmcguire.us. Paul, you were on a roll before the break, and we apologize for disrupting that roll, but but go ahead and pick it back up. No, you're running a radio network show, and you've got to take care of business. I respect that. I'm wondering if I should start drinking coffee again. I seem to be a little bit low energy tonight. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I I wouldn't describe you as that, Paul. (laughs) Um, um, I I feel very, very passionate about this. So <clears throat> where we are right now is, as we've discussed before in your program, we are at the most important point in the history of America and the history of the world. We are at the turning point because what happens to America will impact the world. Now, one of the things we tried to point out in Trumpocalypse, and by the way, <clears throat> I want to be careful how I say this, uh, Dr. Ben Carson got his personal copy. I'll send you a photograph. He's holding up from Apocalypse. <clears throat> and he, he devoured it in two days. He was just, like, captivated by it, which we were thankful for that. Um, uh, like, two days ago, Vice President Mike Pence and his wife got Trump Apocalypse. They, they wanted to, very much wanted to read it because uh, Vice President Pence's wife uh, was a big fan of our book, uh, The Babylon Code. And then uh, we're very thankful that uh, Trumpocalypse made it into the hands of President uh, Donald Trump. So my uh, uh, request is that your uh, listeners would pray for the book and pray that the Holy Spirit would anoint the contents of the book, because the next phase is we're going to distribute the book to key members uh, in our government, both Democrat and Republican. Um, and uh, we believe the book, <clears throat> it, it 
you know, the media has a bias, and, and the bias is they don't acknowledge the existence of God, and therefore they're reporting, besides the fact that they're controlled. They're puppets, okay? <clears throat> you know, I, I was watching Geraldo Rivera, and I could not believe it. He looked right in the camera on Fox News, and he said, I guess somebody told him, you better say this or we're going to fire you. He looked right in the camera at Fox News, and he said, I believe the official report, the government report of the Kennedy, John, of President John F. Kennedy assassination. <clears throat> and I'm saying to myself, I don't believe this for a minute. Nobody, especially Geraldo Pereira, could be that stupid. But he was scared. See, he's, he's a puppet. He's got, he's got strength. And so, people, one of the reasons we wrote Trumpocalypse was to clear up a lot of confusion in the secular community, but also in the Christian community, about Donald Trump. And, 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 and one of the key, key messages we give is that Donald Trump is an imperfect, flawed man. Okay? He's an imperfect and flawed man, so get over it. Oh yes, I don't approve, I don't approve of his vulgarity. I don't approve of everything that he's done. But <clears throat> that does not disqualify him to be used by God as one of the most powerful leaders in human history. He is not a he's not a minister, but he's probably done more to help Christianity, defend Christianity, to defend the Christian martyrs who are being slaughtered by extremist Islam and communist nations. He had, Trump, unlike all the other presidents who look the other way as our Christian brothers and sisters who are being slaughtered and raped in various nations, Trump actually did something about it. Whether you like him or not, and I don't know, you know, I'm not here to argue your position or people's position on Israel, except to say that if you read the Bible carefully, God says in the Old Testament that the Jews will return to the land of Israel in a spiritual condition of unbelief. So, you know, get over the fact that they're acting like sinners, that they're idolatrous, that they're involved in all these false religions and stuff. That's what the Bible said would happen. They come back into the land in the last days in a spiritual condition of unbelief, and as <clears throat> the tribulation period progresses, then their eyes are open, the scales are removed from their eyes, and they recognize that Christ is the Messiah. So the Bible teaches us that God consistently uses throughout human history, like the king of Babylon, like Pharaoh, who was influenced by Joseph, the king of Babylon, who was influenced by uh, Daniel the prophet. These men, Pharaoh and Babylon, first of all, were worshipped as gods. Their inner circle were the most heavy-duty, occultic, satanic practitioners there, there were. Okay, and, and these guys performed hardcore supernatural acts of power, because if they didn't, they were killed by the king of Babylon, or they were killed by Pharaoh. So, and in terms of the sexual practices of the king of Babylon and, and Pharaoh, I mean, just read your Bible. It, it, you know, we're talking about uh, stuff that's so intense sexually that I can't even mention, mention it. It would offend all your listeners. So let's not have this, this, this Mary Poppins view of who God uses and who he doesn't use. So God throughout human history has chosen to use imperfect men to deliver his people. And so, I mean, what's the mystery about that? You expect him to be a Sunday school teacher. He's not. He's a hard-driving businessman 
Okay, he owns casinos, and in light of all that, he has a relatively high moral standard. I mean, yeah, there's some vulgarity here and there, but it's you know a lot of people judge the guy. All right, Christians especially, but they've never had the opportunity to have supermodels, the most beautiful women in the world, throw themselves at him sexually. To, to be tempted to buy and sell nations and islands and the whole thing. It's really easy to be holy and pure. I, I don't want to offend anybody, okay? This is going to be offensive. Forgive me. So I'll make it towards men, okay? If you are a man who is super geeky looking, really ugly, you have no personality, you, 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 you don't demonstrate any male things that I'm talking about personality traits that women find attractive. Maybe you're really kind, and, and, and that way women like you. But let's say you just you, you, you have no appeal to, 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 to women. Well, it's really easy not to give in to temptation because you can't. You're not tempted. No woman is making herself available to you. But when you're a billionaire, they come out of the closet. I mean, they throw themselves at these guys. That doesn't justify his vulgarity. It doesn't justify his behavior. But his temptation level. Is, is very real. And I wouldn't believe everything I heard. This latest story with the porn star? Oh, okay. So why does she wait after the nastiest election in the history of the world? And then why does she wait after the second battle of his alleged sexual indiscretions that didn't prove to be true? Why is she, she's Johnny come lately. I, I don't buy her story for a minute, especially after the CNN reporter got caught offering to pay big money to somebody to make up a, a scandal. Yeah. So anyway, Trump is an imperfect man, but on the positive side, he's the only president we've had who has put his money where his mouth is. He's defended Christian martyrs. He's backed down the United Nations on climate change. He stood up for Jerusalem, which is, whether you like it or not, it is the city of God because Jesus does not return to uh, Brooklyn, New York, and he doesn't return to Dallas, Texas. Jesus Christ, as Lord of Lords, King of Kings, returns to Jerusalem, the, the, the eternal capital of planet Earth. And there's no way you can dodge that theologically. It doesn't matter whether the Jews sinned or became idolatrous or their genetic pool got messed up. That's irrelevant because the Bible says they get the land and they come back in unbelief, but they're purified in the fires of the tribulation period. I don't understand why people can't understand that. Okay, so Trump is standing up for Christian values. He made this powerful pro-life speech the other day. He, he stood up for Christian freedoms for pastors and ministries to preach the gospel. And most importantly, because economics is spiritual, he is supercharging, if, if they, they don't kill him, literally, or, or, or political, psychological assassination. He's supercharging the economy. He's returning wealth to the middle class. He's returning wealth to the working class. And if the American economy is allowed to, to prosper again, because you see the globalists, the globalist puppet presidents, and you know who the globalist puppet presidents are, because they're all kissing each other's wives and patting each other on the back, and they sit together, whether they're Democrat or Republican, they're all palsy-wowsy because they're on the same team. They're on the globalist team. They're not on the American people's team. 
And they both, the Republicans said you can't read the trade treaty, and the Democrats said, said you can't read, read the trade treaty. And the reason you couldn't, we couldn't read the trade treaty is because the trade treaty spelled out in very clear and coherent terms that we, the middle class Americans and the working class Americans, were going to get ripped off, have our jobs stolen from us, have our funds stolen from us, our economy crash, and then they were going to siphon that money into the hands of the 1% globalist elite. That's why we couldn't read the trade treaties. So our presidents were about the business of not serving we the people as the Constitution demands. They were at the business of serving their masters, which are the globalist elite. Trump is the only one who comes to this old west town, crashes through the doors of a saloon, okay, like a gunslinger, and everybody else is lined up on the bar stools, drinking from the tequila and the booze paid for by the globalists, and, and going upstairs with the, with the girl, the call girls in the, in the saloon, and Trump's the only one putting his life on the line for the American people. And that is why he's totally hated by the entire George Orwellian 1984 Big Brother complex of the mainstream media, the high-tech giants who have sold us down the river. And if you can't see that, they have rigged the entire stinking Internet. They have covert bot censorship with algorithms that make anything that's conservative disappear. They artificially shrink numbers, hits, views. They, 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 they have ways where, uh, like, like, uh, Stephen, uh, like, like the actor, what's his name? Is it Steven Seagal or whatever? He wrote a, a best-selling book and then the left wrote these fake reviews of his book without even, uh, they didn't even buy it and they, they, they dropped his star rating, which crashed his sales. But, but the, but the media didn't report that. So the media is the, is the arm of the Orwellian totalitarian state. And it's being used to keep most Americans in a state of compliant uh, mind control. And so when God talks, we talk about a great spiritual awakening in Trumpocalypse. I believe that it does not contradict Bible prophecy at all. It fulfills Bible prophecy. <clears throat> if we understand the purpose of America and the plan of God, that is, it was revealed when the pilgrims and Puritans came to America in the 1600s. They entered into a covenant with God based on the covenant that God made with Israel, based on Deuteronomy 28, the blessings and the curses. And in that covenant, in verse 1, it says, it's a promise to God's people that if God's people in America or Israel will worship the Lord God, the biblical God only, and not the pagan gods. And if God's people will diligently hearken unto the voice of the Lord their God, and obey his word, and do his word, and read his word, if God's people fulfill those two conditions in the first verse of this covenant, God says, he promises, he swears, I will raise that nation up above all the nations on planet earth. America was raised up, Israel was raised up, but the number one reason America became the world's, until recently, America became the world's greatest economic superpower, the greatest military power, every basic invention, technology, science, 
all came for the most part from America, from the light bulb to the personal computer to the automobile, whatever. It all was birthed from America. The greatest economy, the most unique document governing us, which actually, unlike all the other nations whose governing documents are based on man, America is the only nation on planet Earth whose governing documents, the Bill of Rights and the Constitution, acknowledge that it is the Creator God who gives us life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and that they are inalienable rights that are not given by man and cannot be taken away by man. No matter how much power that man has, they can't be stolen by any man-made system because God Almighty, the Supreme Being, gave His Church in America certain, and every creature He created, certain inalienable rights, such as life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And on top of that, God Almighty breathed life into our Constitution. We have a Bill of Rights. We have freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of assembly, freedom of the right to bear arms, freedom of the press, all these freedoms that only, only, only America has uniquely. You read the United Nations Human Rights Declaration, it's a, it's a fraud, because right in the middle of it, it says if you criticize the UN, we'll take away all your rights, we'll throw you in jail, we'll punish you retroactively, and, and you'll, we'll take all your money. Those are not rights. That's holding you on like a, like a monkey chain. And the European Union documents are just as fraudulent. So why did God give his people the power of the Constitution, economic prosperity and freedoms, all of which are under attack by the atheistic, godless <clears throat> uh, globalists? Why did God give us these freedoms? Because God Almighty, who knows the beginning from the end, called America for such a time as this. We are to be the last bastion of freedom. We are to be a shining light on a hill. We are to go into all the world and preach the gospel. We are to bring in the last day's soul harvest. We are to make disciples of all nations. And most of all, we are to occupy the land until he comes and do business until he comes. And we can't do that without a prosperous economy and patriotism and nationalism and intact uh, marriage unit and traditional moral values. Now, Trump happens to champion all those things, where we have Christian pastors and pulpits who are so confused because they've never read the Bible that they think socialism is a blessing of God. Somebody put a vacuum cleaner to the side of their head and sucked their brains out. Read Genesis 11. <clears throat> In Genesis 11, we see how God Almighty comes down from heaven to the Tower of Babel in ancient Babylon, that mystery Babylon, that in ancient Babylon. And he sees mankind assembling a one-world government and a one-world religion and a one-world economic system, the very thing the globalist elite want to do. And God is furious. He judges mankind's global government, global religion, and global economic system. Why? Because he knows the satanic fallen nature of man, there's no check and balances against totalitarianism and an antichrist when you have one authoritarian leader ruling the global government. So God judges Babylon by splitting the global government up into se a separate independent sovereign nation states, 
confusing their language so that every independent sovereign nation state has their own nation. God did that for the same reason he gave us three branches of government in America as checks and balances against tyranny, uh, the lust for power, and totalitarianism. We have three branches of government to keep uh, act as checks and balances. God instituted for independent nation states patriotism and nationalism is part of his plan <clears throat> to act as a check and balance against a dictator and totalitarianism. God says in Genesis 11 very clearly that he opposes global government, a global economic system, and a global religion. God says very clearly in Genesis that he is for the independent, nationalistic, patriotic state, and God says in Genesis that he is for a Christian marriage, and God says throughout the Bible that he is for Judeo-Christian values. All of these things, Christians need to take the, the, the scales off their eyes and recognize that Donald Trump is an act of God's grace upon this nation because we deserve the judgment of God. Instead, God has given us a strong man, a good strong man, not a satanic strong man. And why did God have to choose a man who is not characterized or categorized as an evangelical Christian to be our champion? I'll tell you why. Because God could not find a man with masculinity, courage, power, faith, and leadership among his own people to rise and oppose a globalistic state. He is doing what David would have done. He is confronting Goliath because God's men are hiding like uh, David's brothers were and the armies of Israel were in the battlefield before Goliath, pretending that cowardice is a fruit of the Spirit. I hear all this nonsense about the church pointing fingers at the sinful activity of people outside of the church. Start pointing the finger at us. The first sin in the book of Revelation, which says, this sin, this list of sins will keep you out of heaven. And some of them are sexually uh, sins that are immoral sins. They're sexual in nature. But the first sin that God lists in the book of Revelation that will keep you out of heaven is the sin of being a coward. The sin of cowardice is labeled as the first and most important sin in the book of Revelation. And yet in America, I have never heard, with the exception of my own church, and I don't say this for self-aggrandizement, I have never heard a pastor preach a sermon on cowardice. And yet it is in God's definition the number one sin. God has given us America to set the captives free across the world. This is our moment. We must rise in faith. We must not succumb to the fear at looking at the enemy and become afraid. Who cares that they have billions of dollars in networks? We are children of the living God, and God has given us the supernatural power, the opportunity, and the destiny to occupy the land. God would not have said to us in this time period, 2018, occupy the land unless he first and foremost, before the beginning of time, already gave us the power and the authority to do that just that. We need to obey God and take the land in a law-abiding, peaceful way and then, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. 
Amen, brother. <laughs> Where to even begin? Um, I, I was taking some notes here. You know, cowardice um, being the, the first sin out of the book of Revelation. I cannot, you know, at the risk of even, at the risk of diluting what you had said, um, uh, I was watching some footage from the men who were accompanying these women uh, on the on the march this weekend. Uh, there, there are two in particular, two women, and and excuse the depiction, dressed up like vaginas. All right, I don't know whether you saw this. It was on Infowars, but. Um, and the men who backed that backed this performance art, this this is good. I I don't even know. I I go back to my original statement, Paul. I, just looking in the camera and just saying, you know, what in the hell is your problem? What's wrong with you? Not you, but to these people, what is wrong with you? We've got such a a a, a terrific problem in this country where where the men are not men. Real men take care of their wives. Real men um, take care of business. Real men step up to the plate and handle things. We don't have real men. Or, or we're, I shouldn't say that we're lacking uh, the, in, in numbers real men. Now, the people listening to this program, uh, they're real men. But, my goodness, it's... it's, it's, it's and the people who are the self-proclaimed Christians who who will challenge us for perhaps an errant curse word here or there, and missing the entire point. He had talked about Donald Trump, um, you know, not being as, as perhaps as uh, um, couth as as he could be. I'd rather have that than have a statesman like. Uh, wimp in office. I yield back. And look at Trump, Donald Trump's life. There is the most fascinating <clears throat> uh, news story of uh, pictures of his his daughter Ivanka looking extremely classy, it's extremely beautiful in a classy manner, elegantly dressed, coming out of Force uh, Air Force One with her father proud of her father, obviously has a great relationship with her father, of which Trump never gets credit for having a great relationship with his daughters, his wife, and his sons. <clears throat> and <clears throat> she looked like, uh, Ivanka Trump looked like the, the ideal woman who could be president. I mean, just on, a, on an image level or a branding level, she has every quality to be uh, a woman that would appeal to, to, to not only Christian women, but to appeal to, to, to women, uh, whatever their political viewpoint is, because she's a classy woman. Uh, okay. And, and we live in an image, uh, you know, like it or not, we live in a, an image culture. So, so I believe that Ivanka Trump's, uh, presence, unless she messes it up, not because she's a woman, but because she, hangs out with her friends and they <clears throat> embed in her some distorted uh, philosophy or something. 
She's a very powerful woman because it's all about role models and identifying the role models. I could see an entire counterculture emerge of young women who identify with her. Contrast her with Hillary Clinton. I mean, look, I'm not trying to speak, this is not partisan, but if I was a casting director or a director in Hollywood and I was casting a part in a movie, people have a particular persona. And now there's times when Hillary Clinton smiles and she she looks gracious and nice and lovely. But most of the pictures out there, she looks like the Wicked Witch of the West or the South. She looks still, her face, it's just an objective uh, a perception. Her face is, is a caricature of somebody who looks evil. Okay? People, what people are reflects through their face. Now, we, we can get fooled. Sometimes there's wolf seats clothing. But she looks like who she is. A totally self-centered and evil woman. Now, Bill is very slick. Uh, I don't think he's any more virtuous than she is, but he manages to to create a persona of, you know, he's slick. That's why they call him slick woman. But one thing I wanted to add, because I know I was, like, very emotional and intense, <clears throat> and I don't want to give the wrong message, and that is, in addition to the strength and the necessity uh, for courage... It's, it's, there's gotta be a balance, okay? So on one hand, there has to be the attributes of total fearlessness. You see, we have to recognize, this is not theoretical, it's not a fairy tale, we have to recognize that if we are willing to seek the face of God, and if we are willing to listen to His wisdom, not our wisdom, and if we're willing to act on it as the body of Christ in America, in actuality, the the central uh, focal point of power in America and the world, and this is truth, what Francis Schaeffer called true truth, does not reside in Washington, D.C., it doesn't reside in the Federal Reserve, it doesn't reside in the NSA or the military, doesn't reside in China or Russia or whatever or in Hollywood. The single most powerful force <clears throat> resides within the supernatural body of Christ, um, wherever that supernatural body of Christ is, whether it's communist China, whether it's America or whatever. So if you're going to do like an analysis of who has the power the supernatural body of Christ, which consists of all true believers in Christ who are born again and attempting to walk in, in God's Word and walk in the power of His Holy Spirit, they have been given the supernatural dominion and authority over the powers of evil to, to tread upon scorpions and serpents, which represents the, the satanic powers. The, the supernatural body of Christ, of which you and I and most of your listeners are composed of, we have been given the supernatural authority by Jesus Christ to trample upon serpents, scorpions and serpents, which means the power of evil. Therefore, God has deposited in us, the church, the greatest reservoir of power, raw power on planet Earth. It has been deposited in his church and in individual believers. Now, this power is more powerful than any economic system, any revolution, any internet technology, any deep state, any occult, any Illuminati. It is more powerful than all those factors combined. So the question obviously is, 
If that's the case, why don't we see evidence of this in the spiritual battle that we're in? Why is there such a disconnect between what Jesus Christ said and the reality that we're seeing? And this is what we have to deal with, because a switch is turned off in the invisible realm, and as long as this switch remains off, the power that God has given his church is backed up. It can't be released to supernaturally enable us to occupy the land or do business until he comes. That one uh, circuit breaker, which is preventing God's power from flowing through his church and igniting a biblical third great awakening, just like in the time of Jonathan Edwards, and that third great awakening rocked the 13 American colonies, the power of the third great awakening and the word of God accompanying it changed our government, our constitution, our bill of rights, and essentially formed America in the heated forge of fiery metal birthed from the fires of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. America as a template of a free nation, yes, imperfect, was forged in the fires of revival of the first Great Awakening with Jonathan Edwards. God wants a third Great Awakening. What is holding it back? One thing is holding it back. God's people have committed the primary sin, and I, I, I don't mean to be cute, but there's no other way to describe it. We are worshiping a counterfeit Jesus, and we have become counterfeit Christians. We have become a defective clone of the body of Christ versus being the real body of Christ. We have become unintentionally a, a genetically damaged clone of the body of Christ. And that's why we're powerless. I shouldn't say powerless, but our power is minimal. Once we, on an individual level, that means every single person listening to your program, this is an individual thing. It spreads like an emotional contagion that's unstoppable, but it comes from the inner core of every person's heart, a choice that they make. Once you choose to make Jesus your Lord, once you choose to stop playing games with God and come to him and simply say, Lord, you don't have to put him on a big show. He has x-ray vision. He knows every dirty thought, every nasty thing you've ever done. So quit trying to... He, he's going to embrace you, okay, and love you and accept you just as you are. He just wants you to cooperate. If, you, if you're into sin, then say, God, I, I, I love my sin. Help me out of it. That's why he died on the cross. He'll help you. So if we would simply get in sync with God, and that simply means return to God with all thy heart soul and mind and seek the face of God in this hour that's all it is, it's, it's that simple it's a mustard seed of faith what God is asking from us is that simple it's a mustard seed if we were to do that in obedience now, because the hour is now, who knows what's going to happen tomorrow morning, see one of these mornings if we don't act upon what I'm saying and many 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 other watchmen are saying and what you have said in your program continually through many different authors and speakers if we don't begin to act upon that, one morning we could potentially wake up and be in a totalitarian state. We wrote from Apocalypse to teach this to, to people, that God has given us a window of opportunity, but God has an expectation that we accept our responsibility and occupy the land by faith. If we do that, 
there is a multiplying force. God will honor it. We have not seen this in our generation. We probably haven't seen it in numerous generations. But there are generations in the history of mankind after Christ ascended into heaven. There are generations that experienced authentic biblical revivals, great awakenings, and outpourings of the Holy Spirit. We are in the most critical time of all of human history. The precipice of World War III, you know, the globalists are lying. They're not going to pay you. How dumb are you? You think the globalists are going to pay you to sit at home and smoke California pot while they invent a robot to do your job? How dumb are you? I mean, really, you don't have a brain cell left. They're not going to build robots and you're going to sit home and collect a paycheck. They're going to euthanize you. I mean, wake up. And they're not going to give you some fancy cyborg android sex robot lover. They're not going to waste the money. They're going to get rid of you. So, if we would sync up with the Lord and, 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 and link up with God, like, you know, human being, your personality to God, just one on one, you connect with God, cut the baloney. Just tell, just connect with God. Then he begins to send his power. Then he begins to send his anointing. Then he begins to use you. But you have to make the choice to, however imperfectly, be faithful with the increase that he gives you. And then God's agenda will be accomplished, which is what? He said, occupy the land until I come. That's prophecy. He has not come yet. But God cannot fulfill his plan for reaching people from Jesus Christ all over the world unless he has a nation, at least one nation, that has the economy, the mental attitude, and the political freedoms to do it. That's America. That is America's destiny. No, you know, we're not going to usher in the kingdom of God in heaven, uh, on earth. America is not going to be the new Jerusalem. You know, uh, America is not a replacement for heaven. No, it's a temporal thing. It's short term. We're talking about just making sure we get our chronology correct and are not lazy with the math. We're here for such a time as this. We've got a job to do. If we begin to do our job on faith, the power of God would begin to send upon this nation with such force that you would walk through American cities and you would see people trembling under the power of God, weeping under the power of God. Remember the sobriety that was in America very briefly after 9-1-1? It, what was it last, a month or two or three? To me, it was like a month. A month. Yeah, a month. People were very sensitive. They apologized. They were polite on the freeway. There was a holy humbleness because we had been chastised. Well, unfortunately, we didn't, didn't learn. And so some another event may be coming on the horizon very quickly. We can either cooperate with God out of free will and sync up with him, but if we refuse to do it out of a free will, God may lift his hand of covering off of our nation for a, for a, for a brief period of time, and we may receive, we may be allowed to receive a very bitter chastisement that will make 911 look like nothing. And the purpose of God is not punitive and it's not hate. It's to bring us to a place where we tremble and, and have a fear of God again. That can be reintroduced to our nation. Just the numerical amount of people in your audience, which, by the way, 
your rankings, your views, your hits, your watches are rigged. I know they're rigged. I've been following your program for years. Your rankings and your hits and your watches and views are so exponentially higher than the fake number they're, they're assigning to you because they have to give you a fake number because the game plan is to minimize your significance. So they have to lie about the data. You, I meet people listening to your program all over the United States, like, like a car dealership last week in the craziest places. Now, if we will get in sync with God, just, just the numerical number of people in your audience and then people who would spread your program as they should to people that need to hear it, this number of people watching contains in and of itself a critical mass of spiritual multiplication. If the power of God descends upon a righteous remnant, and you have a significant numerical righteous remnant listening to your program, if they each person listening would simply quit judging everybody else, I'm not talking about most of the people, but you got some you got some mean people out there, and you got trolls out there, people from the enemy's camp who pretend to be Christians and they sow all kinds of discord. Okay, so if the people that are truly the people that love God, if they would seek God, I mean, really step it up and act like act like that this is not a game, because to act like it's a game is a sin. Anything that denies reality is a lie. I want to repeat that. Whenever you deny reality, you embrace a lie. So if you say this is a game, uh, you know, this isn't, he's not serious, this isn't going to really happen, you're denying a reality. You're denying reality. Denying reality means you're accepting a lie. If you accept a lie, you're going to go down hard and you're going to be captive. You need to accept the truth, not deny the truth. This is where we are in America. We're a heartbeat away from totalitarianism. And that heartbeat happens to be in the White House. And we talk about this in Trumpocalypse in great detail. We talk about an inside story of a, of a, uh, of a warning of an attempted physical assassination of President Trump. That's reality. We're one heartbeat away right now from totalitarianism. And that heart that's beating is Donald Trump. So a lot of you need to get off your picky, uh, he's not holy enough for me, and get real, stick your face in the garbage and smell it for a while, understand just how depraved this world is, and in light of the depravity of this world, recognize that God, out of his grace towards you and me, not because we deserve it, we deserve nothing, gave us a champion. He gave us a champion, a fighter. He gave us a guy that's willing to buck the entire globalist elite establishment. How dare we not pray for him? How dare we not watch his back? How dare we not issue a warning in social media and every means possible? That if you even come close to illegally impeaching our president on fake psychological uh, uh, lies, which we expose the psychological game plan they're trying to run. How dare you try to put that down? How dare you try to uh, trigger a World War III? How dare you try to physically assassinate the president or even entertain the idea of killing him with a stealth weapon like a heart attack uh, gun? an invisible heart attack gun, or all the other very uh, uh, secretive technologies that could cause him to drop dead. 
How dare you even think about that? And lying in the highest offices of our intelligence community and FBI, you actually, without blushing, violate the Constitution of the United States of America? You interfere with the election of we the people? And because you, you pawns of the globalist elite, you politically don't like Donald Trump, you self-appointed gods are going to have an insurance policy to take him out by uh, political assassination, by demonizing him, by 24-7 propaganda and mind control, or even killing him. How? You know why they're doing this? There's no fear in them. I'm talking about law-abiding, peaceful, law-respecting citizens who honor the laws of our land. I am not talking about violence. I'm not talking about illegality. I'm talking about spiritual warfare in which God's people pray not only for Trump, but we pray for these heads of the intelligence agencies and the FBI. But the fear of God must be restored into the land so that those that would consider or meditate in their heart about taking out Trump would literally... And this isn't partisan. I prayed for Obama because if Obama went out in some weird way, we would have had martial law. I pray for both Democrats and Republicans. We need to back this man in prayer and be the salt and light that God created us to be, to occupy the land as we're supposed to be. That man, Donald Trump, should have no fear for standing up for what's right because the armies of the living God behaving as law-abiding, peaceful people as the body of Christ, with the key operative word being love thy neighbor as thyself and love thy enemies, we should be standing in the power of the Holy Spirit watching Trump's back. And if we can't do that kind of kingdom business until he comes, then we ought to close up shop, sell the churches in terms of real estate, and let McDonald's buy them, because at least they're meeting the needs of the people. Wow, Paul, you said a whole lot there. It's not only... Uh, and think about this. You know, we are in this country are fortunate enough to have Trump to push back against the satanic agenda. But look at all the countries around us. Look at Canada. Look at what's going on in France and Germany and all across the West. If we had, if we did not have Trump, we would have a leader like the rest of these countries, like Trinidad yeah. in Canada, where they are, you know, basically giving money to returning ISIS fighters, telling their citizens that criticism against Islam is hate speech. And, I mean, it's just this politically correct, liberal, wet dream that they have going on there. But here we have Donald Trump, thankfully, and the supporters of Donald Trump holding the line, which only can last for so long, whether it's this four-year term or an eight-year term. We're going to have to stay on the front lines of the battlefield, and it starts in the pews. And we have seen the churches become so neutered over time that they've almost become ineffective as a whole, and that has to change before we see a change in leadership in our country, or we're going to find ourselves in a terrible spot, if not worse spot, than some of our neighbors in other countries in the West. And if I may interject one thing, American exceptionalism is okay to believe in. Don't give me, uh, I get emails from, uh, uh, I've gotten emails from uh, self-professed Christians that uh, the national anthem, for example, uh, having respect for that or having uh, acknowledging American exceptionalism is some form of idolatry. What in the world is wrong with you? 
that's the only thing that comes to my mind. It's 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 anything but idolatry in my view. I mean, it has nothing to do with it, and and that's the brainwashing that 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 we're being. You know, that's that, that that's exactly right, Doug. And the tragedy is is that <clears throat> that the that there's there's a truthful statement. Knowledge is power. People that have knowledge and education, whether it's self education <clears throat> or hopefully quality education from some source. People who have knowledge have power. That's why Brzezinski and the Huxleys and everybody else rule the world. They have knowledge. Knowledge is power. Uh, truth, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Truth be, uh, brings freedom and breaks you free from captivity. We have a, a theological uh, flaw in, in the body of Christ in America and around the world. And, and I'm not being unkind. But if you have not paid the price personally, to, to at least spend some minimal amount of time, uh, at least the equivalent amount of time you spent watching Worldwide uh, Federation of Wrestling or whatever your favorite thing is, or those big those big uh, cars that smash in, into each other, or the NFL. I mean, what's wrong with you, man? I mean, really? Why are you watching the NFL? What is wrong with you? You're, I don't care if you've got the app on your cell phone. What are you watching the NFL for? When these guys are insulting our nation, you don't have enough, you know what, to, to stand up for your country. Let the NFL go bankrupt. Bring them to your knees. Do you think that the gays would put up with that? Do you think the feminists would, would put up with that? Do you think that the uh, uh, Muslims would put up with with a, a stadium of, of, of pro athletes nationally televised insulting Islam or insulting feminism and the woman? or insulting uh, uh, these other things? Of course they wouldn't. They're not that stupid. It's your responsibility to be educated. God cannot use a fool. Look, if you're going to choose to be a fool in life, then at least do the world a favor and the body of Christ. is Shut your mouth while you're walking around. Because you have no right to, 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 to contact the Hagmans or anybody else and say, give off your drivel like you're drooling from your mouth talking about how American exceptionalism is proudful because you were indoctrinated in Marxism and socialism and historical revisionism, but you're too dumb to realize you were indoctrinated and you're spouting the propaganda that the left spoon-fed you. Instead of being a bozo on a bus, you ought to crack open some books and educate yourself and know what the heck you're talking about. God is for American exceptionalism, not because America is better than anybody else. Yes, we committed sins with the Indians, the African slaves, uh, the abortion. We Look, look, American Christians treated people who were gay and lesbians. We, beat, we were part of the people that beat them up and called them names and, and did horrible, sinful things to them. There's nothing, no justification in the Bible for beating people up whether you agree with their sexual orientation or not. It's sin, okay? We've done a lot of it. It's disgusting. But the point is, you have to get educated. Otherwise, you have no power. We have to conduct ourselves like statesmen. You have to, to renew your mind and understand that God has put greatness in you. So stop acting like some ignorant trash uh, 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 feeder. God has given you statesman qualities. Renew your mind with the word of God and understand you were called to be a king and a priest, a servant and a king. 
You see, our authority is based on servanthood. We can't occupy America until we serve it, but not serve it like 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 seeker-friendly servant, which means lie down and be a speed bump. Serve it like kings and priests with humility. But the motive always has to be love. If our motive is not love, if that, the love of Jesus Christ, the agape love of Jesus Christ, it's got to be love. If we don't have the agape love of Jesus Christ, then pack up the entire show and, and, and quit. But that's not going to, that's not what's going to happen. We're going to see a move of God among a remnant that's going to shake this nation. It may take a catastrophic event to, to, to get us there, but God has his hand on this nation and the hand of Almighty God is gripping America with the intensity that only the supreme being can do, and he has America firmly in its grasp, and no deep state, no coup, no George Soros, no misguided activists are going to bring down America. America is in the hand of God. All we've got to do is show up and do our part. That's right, Paul. And hopefully we see more and more people you know, showing up, but there seems to be this complacency, uh, from many in the, in the population, whether they're turned off to the political debate or they don't see the spiritual battle in the times that we live in. I don't know what it is, but a lot of people seem to sit on the sidelines for whatever reason. And well, that is not helping anything. You're, you're exactly right. It's the biggest problem. So this is, this is my resolve. My resolve is this. Like you, like Doug, I'm brutally aware of the complacency. They have to stand before God and give an account of their lives. I can no longer waste my time even thinking about them. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. As for me and the true remnant church, we will put 10,000 to flight, even if there's only two. I am committed to, to being a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ and using the power he gives me from a place of agape love and servanthood. But like Joshua said in his elder years, he said to the Lord after he had conquered most of the promised land, Joshua said to the Lord, give me my mountain. And that was a, that was a thunderous prayer of faith from Joshua who spent his life conquering city after city, but he never had time to get his own inheritance for the kingdom of God. And so God reserved for him a mountain that he conquered in his own age. My mountain that I'm asking God for is not some private hillside. I'm saying, God, give me my mountain, and my mountain is America. And in Jesus' name, I shall, with the help of the body of Christ, I will get my mountain by serving the Lord, by operating in love and seeking his face. And I would hope that would be the cry from every man who calls himself a man of God and every woman who calls herself a woman of God say to the Lord, give me my mountain and say, I will not allow America to crash and burn under my watch. Wish we all had that attitude, Paul. Powerful. That was powerful. And if I, I'm going to put that on a, uh, uh, just a constant loop because that is a powerful message and you've taken us right to the end of the program. Paul, you've done it. Uh, I, I gotta tell you, brother. Keep me in prayer. Indeed, indeed we will. What a fantastic message that was. Um, I, 
just thank you. And and from the bottom you. from the bottom of our hearts. Thank you, because you are watchmen and you know your fingers on the pulse, you know exactly what's happening. And see, my message would be empty, but you, you've given the people the education to know how dangerous what's happening. The, the most volatile, the most dangerous time in American history is right now. We almost right. be sober, uh, but but you know what? We can and we will win. We know we know how it ends. Doesn't mean it's right. going to be. It's you know, look, uh, buckle up, race for impact because we're right. going to have many. But you know what? Right. We just and, have to. And, have and the guts. this is what Ch- this is what Churchill did. I'm not a Satanist and Illuminati. It stands for victory. Okay, <laughs> victory against the powers of darkness. So you can misinterpret if you want, but it's about victory. Amen to that, Paul. No retreat, no surrender. No retreat, no surrender. No, that's right. Amen to I think that. That was a movie title back in the eighties, early nineties, if I remember. But, right. Paul, Paul you, you've done it again. Trumpocalypse is the book, of course, with Troy Anderson and all of the previous books you've written. What a great job! And, and again, thank you very much. Into the program. Um, hey, brother, you've, we'll keep you in, the, in our prayers and. Uh, Let's just keep in touch. Amen. God bless you. My salute to both of you. All right, sir. God bless you, too. Folks, that'll do it. That was Paul McGuire, paulmcguire.us. What a man. I, I, I was going through taking notes of, of various, um, what would you call them? I don't want to call them sound bites, but, but really great points that he is that he made and uh, I ran out of room on, on the paper. So I would urge everyone to really pass the, uh, uh, tell everyone about this broadcast tonight. Do do us a favor, whether you listen, regardless of whatever platform you listen to, to this show and our individual shows. That's John and Joe's from 2 to 3, mine from 9 to 10 in the morning. Do us a favor. Click on the follow button on the BTR page. Follow the Hagman Report on, on the BTR. Follow my show. Follow John and Joe's show. That that elevates that does something with the numbers and it it um well i'm just not going to explain it it just helps us please follow us individually and collectively on our social networking feeds twitter myself i'm on gab ai as well and uh hey pray pray for steve quayle by the way he's not feeling too well as well as greg evenson greg evenson certainly is really bad got to have a number of operations and he's already um you know not even close to a hundred percent uh he's been having a rough go of it these last few years so make sure you keep him and his family in your prayers because he was supposed to join us tonight yes with so, that that'll do it have a good night we'll be back tomorrow good night everyone